is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, another packed show as we count down to Sunday's Grey Cup with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Jets back on the ice tonight on the road in their first ever matchup against the NHL's newest team, the Seattle Kraken. Welcome to WST. I'm Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. We've got a great show today coming up. We will be talking Jets. Murata Tesh will join us from Climate Pledge Arena. Can't wait to see and hear about the new home of the Seattle Kraken. And now we'll, of course, get the latest from the Winnipeg Jets heading into tonight's first game of back-to-back games on the West Coast tonight against the Kraken and tomorrow against the Vancouver Canucks. And then, of course, with it being Grey Cup week, we're going to talk Bombers. We're going to talk Cats. The return of Westy to WST. That's right, Troy Westwood will join us coming up a little later on in the program. And we'll also... Get a bit of a pulse on what's going on in Hamilton and the feeling of the Ticat Nation with Bubba O'Neill from CHCH Sports in Hamilton. All coming up over the next couple of hours. Um, as we get into the program, do want to thank all the great sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, the Great Taste of Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. Do have some great cup props out. I expect more to be coming up a little later on heading into the weekend. All right, let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus. People in the chat already cheering on a mute-free show and uh, not a bad start, I will say all of that. Uh, technical difficulties are real. Even had one on uh, the RP show today. Great to jump on with Rod. Talk a little Grey Cup and a little Jets, but um, we know where we're focusing on today. Big hockey game tonight as the Jets look to get back in the win column and more from Hamilton and the excitement around the Bombers looking to run it back and, as the uh, as the thing says, defend the Cup. What's going on, Remo? Hey, I got mine, mine of those upstairs. Proof that I was at, uh, wasn't the coldest game ever, but it was, it was certainly up there. I saw it, I got mine proof. I'm not sure some, what I'm gonna... somebody asked about these and said, you know, did they even give those things away? Because I didn't see a single one at the game. No, they did give them away when you got in, but I mean, I think everyone sort of put them in their pockets. And then as we were dealing with the weather, you were dealing with your mitts. You were clapping. There was very little ability to to wave these things around. But they will end up being a great souvenir mm-hmm. of uh, of one of the uh, one of the most special days in Winnipeg sports history, at least in my lifetime, with the Bombers mm-hmm. winning, and then of course the Chaser, the Jets sticking it to the Leafs on uh, on Sunday night. But uh, but man, you know what? We're gonna get to the Jets, and we're gonna get to the Bombers. We should start off right off the bat by. Uh, Giving a shout out to Brian Munns and Kevin O. It was great to see those guys last night. And uh, we picked up our pal, old pal, Sean Asor, my buddy Zoltan, went down and checked out one heck of a hockey game between the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings. Did not finish up in the Ice's favor. 3-2 game. But man, Remo, I left that game just, uh, you know, in amazement at how strong both of those teams are and just how good and fast some of the young players are in the WHL right now. 
These two teams are phenomenal, and it would be an absolute shame if we didn't get a best of seven between Edmonton and Winnipeg at some point in the WHL playoffs. Yeah, does this make us bad luck for the ice? I mean, they go to a game and they lose. It's only three losses all year. <laughs> they only scored two goals. I was expecting at least six. Um, but no, it was, a, it was a great game. You know, Edmonton's, as you said, a great, great team as well. Ice first, Edmonton second. Um, Ice took a five-minute penalty in the third. It was nice to see one team take advantage of that five-minute power play as, uh, you know. You know what I'm getting at here. They made them, made them pay. So uh, I, I like watching the young talent, some great prospects uh, in the game. So uh, it was exciting. There's some pictures of the game uh, on our Instagram page as well so give us a follow on there uh, link in the description yes absolutely at sports talk wpg on all your social channels we're quite active on twitter remo does a great job on the facebook page and uh, adding more stuff especially when we're out at games like sunday or last night here in the winnipeg community and southern manitoba i'm dropping some pics from uh, wherever we're at out on instagram so definitely give us a follow and not uh, you can follow remus at m remus on the same channels and myself over at hustle rama it was a little bit ironic thinking about the game afterwards, Remo, and where things went wrong for the ice. Uh, sound familiar? They gave up three power play goals last night and lost 3-2. Yeah. <laughs> Is that just the theme now uh, for the Winnipeg hockey teams, uh, special teams, an issue? But, um, you know, I, I hadn't been to I hadn't been to a WHL game even before just because we didn't have a team here and never went to Brandon. But uh, I did enjoy the um, the ice cave, as they're calling it. Um, every seat is pretty good. I was, it was a packed house there. So great crowd last night. Great yes. crowd as it should have been for the matchup of the top two teams, not just in the Western league, but ranked in all of Canadian junior hockey. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So, well, you know, you want to go and check out, um, those teams for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, the ice will be here all season and we'll be following them on the road to the Mem Cup. Yeah, uh, Schickster says, hey, afternoon, everyone. Huss heard you on CFRW 1290 during the second intermission. Not familiar with the station you're speaking of, but I did jump on and talk to our old friends, Brian Munns and Kevin O. Uh, of course, I joke, the ice games are on uh, 1290, about the only time worth listening to that station. Uh, but they're doing a great job, a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of fun talking to Kevin O and Brian, and um, they're having a great time. And man, you can imagine how much fun it is right now. Remo kind of doing something new, and you know, uh, granted they did not win last night, but winning is fun. And um, I mean, honestly, leaving the building last night for guys like Munzee and Kevin O, they had to figure out what the heck to do. Um, because basically it's all smiles usually when ice fans leave the building. But we did know that these two matchups between Edmonton and Winnipeg today and on Saturday would be uh, incredible challenges for both teams right now. And credit to Edmonton. You know, I was just going through, and I'll be honest, I mean, I pay more attention to the draft prospects in and around the draft and, you know, looking at all the rankings from the people that actually scout these players all year long. Um, but usually when I'm at a junior hockey, I'll just, oh, that guy looks good. I'll look him up, see where he's playing or, you know, who's drafted him. Edmonton had three of the top 16 picks in last year's draft in their lineup last night. Uh, Dylan Gunther went ninth to the Coyotes, uh, was in the lineup up front. Um, their goaltender, I mean, this was an incredible goaltending battle. Gage Alexander, who's a duck prospect playing for the Winnipeg Ice, was the number one star in the game. And then Sebastian Casa, who went six, uh, 15th to the Detroit Red Wings, was in the Edmonton net, and he was phenomenal. And then Caden Gooley, who uh, they acquired in a big trade last week, was the 16th overall selection 
from the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and there was one scary incident, sort of a strange incident as well. Um, an oiler, an oiler, an oil kingle got called called back um, because of a four minute high sticking major, which ended up injuring Matt Savoy of the Winnipeg Ice. Savoy, you know, a uh, almost a lock to be a top ten pick. Many people have him in the top five, and even challenging into the top three. So uh, overall, just thought we'd mention that if you haven't checked out the ice so far this season, make a point of doing it. As someone that worked for the Moose for so long, it was a little bit of a throwback to the early days. You know, you got some a bunch of you know young minor hockey teams, kids just having the time of their life. Um, but man, it was a great crowd last night. Heck of a hockey game. Uh, highly recommended if you have not yet seen the Winnipeg ice out at the ice cave. Yes. Yes. Well said. So we've done our ice game. We'll have to go to a uh, check out the moose at, uh, at some point as well. Now has Huss uh, and Remo Winnipeg sports tour is on. Yeah, it, it most certainly <laughs> is. And speaking of the moose, um, you know what? I may as well put this out right now. Uh, we've got some tickets for the weekend, Friday and Saturday. The moose are taking on the grand rapids Griffins. Uh, and you know, just with tomorrow, we'll be doing the marble race. Uh, we've got a special, one of our, one of our loyal listeners, uh, actually went over to Nick and Nikki DQ and picked up, um, a gray cupcake for Sunday for a little gathering and said, you know what, I'm going to get two of them and I'm going to give one of them to the WST guys to give away in the marble race. So we've got a special number. We won't tell it until the uh, until the the race is over. <laughs> but a random numbered finisher is also going to win a Grey Cup ice cream cake tomorrow oh. uh, on the uh, in the marble race. However, as far as the moose tickets go, um, Friday and Saturday night, uh, we've got four prime tickets to see the moose play the Grand Rapids Griffins. Tomorrow night's game is the holiday game. There'll be pictures with Santa. This is a great opportunity to take some young kids that maybe haven't been to the game so far. So if you would like four tickets to the game, I think we'd sort of love to take a family or, you know, maybe, you know, two, two couples. We'll probably give them out one winner for Friday for four tickets, one winner for Saturday for four tickets. If you do want the seats, you can send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com or send us a DM on Twitter, uh, either to me personally or to Sports Talk WPG. And um, we'll grab a couple winners. If we have a ton of people going in, we'll uh, figure out a way to, to give them out. But we'll announce that and send the tickets heading into Friday so it's not last minute for tomorrow's game. So there's your giveaway today. Four seats for the Moose Friday and Saturday. Moose hosting Grand Rapids. Hit us up on email, Talk at gmail.com or on Twitter. And uh, we'll give those out a little later on tonight and send out the tickets so you can be ready to go tomorrow. Um, all that being said, Remo, we've got lots to get to. We mentioned the ice game that we went to last night. And uh, we're going to get a chance to see some old familiar faces tonight at the Climate Pledge Arena. Everything is going to be new, new building, new team, new jerseys. But certainly a lot of fans of both Brandon Tanev and Mason Appleton here in Winnipeg. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this game tonight. I've not seen very much of the Kraken so far this year, really minus their first game. We know that they have had some struggles. They spent a lot of money on Philip Grubauer to be their starting goaltender, thinking that he would really give them a, a step ahead. And he's had a miserable season. He is starting tonight for the Kraken. And we're still waiting who will be starting for the Winnipeg Jets in that? I'd sort of floated this out earlier that maybe it made sense to, you know, give Connor Hellebuck a couple days between these starts, let him start in Vancouver, and then have another three days off before his next start. Or do you just go with Hellebuck tonight and then go with Comrie before? I, I think if it was up to me, 
I'm going Comrie tonight. I'm giving Hellebuck the extra day of rest. Comrie's certainly ready to go. He's been waiting for a while as Connor Hellebuck started, um, you know, pretty much like the last dozen games or something like that. I'll have to check exactly what the number is. Uh, but I mean, it's all been Hellebuck. And with the exception of him getting yanked in the Black Friday game a couple weeks ago, um, it's been all Hellebuck. So Comrie is going to play one of these two games. Um, we'll talk to that. Uh, we'll, you know, get Marat's thought on that coming up a little later on. And I guess the, the skate is going to be beginning at Climate Pledge Arena for the Winnipeg Jets uh, as we go live at 1 o'clock at 1.30 our time. So we'll be talking to Marat while the Jets are on the ice and uh, we'll be paying close attention to his. Scott Billick's reporting from there to find out who will be the starting goaltender. And uh, we'll see if the Jets can uh, play a bit better than they did Tuesday night when uh, they really took it on the chin in pretty much every aspect against the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes, will Paul Maurice have the team ready to play tonight? Uh, he said, what did he t- take take it on the chin after the game? You know, it's interesting. You know, they pay all this money to Philip Grubauer, and as you said, he's been terrible. 3.17 goals against, 886 save percentage. They were probably better off saving that money and just keeping the goalies they drafted and Chris Dreger and Vitek Vanasek, who they just, you know, traded back to Washington. Um, as far as their, you know, Seattle's leader, Schwartz, Eberly Gord, um, they're leading them in points. Brandon Tanev has chipped in. Mason Appleton has kind of been in and out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seemed to fit in much better here with Kopp and Lowry. And I see people in chat every day wondering if uh, the Jets would look to bring him back just because he was such a great figure. And you think maybe he would want to come back as well, just because it seems like he's not getting the playing time that he, uh, he had in the past. As far as the Jets, I think we're also waiting to see Billy Hainala. He was called up yesterday. Um, will he come into the lineup? What will the D pairs be? Will they continue with Logan Stanley on his off wing? Um, will they go with the Dylan Stanley pairing, or do they go Hainala? You know, I think Hainala, I kind of think of it as a Nintendo ice hockey hus. I mean, uh, Neil Pionk, he's like a small, medium guy. Hainal is also a small medium guy. So you would want, I think most notably, you'd want to swap him for a small medium guy. And I think the Jets kind of kind of do that. So um, I wonder if, you know, um, Beaulieu takes a seat and they bring in Hainal to fill in the Pionk role. I, I would love to see it. I think everyone would love to see it. I mean, this is no disrespect to Nate Beaulieu, but we know what Nate Beaulieu brings to the table. Um, and we also know what the Jets are missing in the lineup with Nate, Neil Pionk being out. And I know you're joking about just placing in guys the same size as per the original Nintendo ice hockey. But think about what the Jets are missing in Neil Pionk. They're missing a guy that is a great puck mover and puck handler. They're missing an important part of their power play. And that's what Vili Hanela brings to the table far more than Nate Beaulieu does. So, you know, the the plan originally, I don't think, was to have him in this game tonight. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they went with the same six defensemen, you know, considering he got called up yesterday, was not at practice, is going to be going through a morning skate. Not that there'll really be any practice before either of these two games. But I'll say this, um, the way that he's played so far this year with the Manitoba Moose, what we know about Billy Hainala from his time in the National Hockey League and in the organization in the last couple of years, this young man is ready for prime time. And this is the sort of opportunity that I think, you know, begs the question, you know, why wouldn't you put Billy Hainala in right now? So uh, we'll talk about that with Marat coming up in a few minutes from Seattle. But Remo, that certainly will be one of the uh, one of the big stories as we uh, go into tonight's first ever game in Seattle for the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, uh, I, I agree with you, Billy Hanlon. I think does it open the door in the future when Pionk is back? We haven't really got an update from him on his timeline, but does it open the door uh, for the Gus bus, which uh, we've been 
we've been talking about forever. So uh, I'm curious about about the D pairings. Um, I think there's speculation that about uh, you know if Hanala made the trip or not because he was with the Moose and they were on the road last night. But they're hitting the ice at 1:30. Marat is there, and you know maybe as soon as he gets on, Marat uh, will let us know. Yeah, well, we're going to get to Marat right now coming up in Seattle. Just before we do that, a big shout out to Andrew Parks and the gang over at F Apparel. Great to have F Apparel, Winnipeg and Manitoba's leading spot for men when it comes to custom clothing and custom suits on board with us. They're at 190 Smith downtown, Winnipeg owned um, with a full line of custom clothing for any occasion, including suits, dress shirts, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that looks great and fits well. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. With the holidays around the corner, you might be thinking, man, I could really use this. Maybe you suggest that uh, an F Apparel gift card would be a great, uh, great gift for you because right now, if you order F Apparel gift cards online, 15% off. So a $200 gift card would cost you only $170 right now. And if you're planning a wedding for the upcoming year, talk to the guys, uh, leaders when it comes to that. And uh, wedding parties get 15% off when the group buys their uh, suits from F Apparel, 190 Smith downtown, online, EPH Apparel, F Apparel.com. Um, our friends at Vita Health are ready for the holidays. I've mentioned to you before, when those of you that are there, I mean, we know that Vita Health is, you know, 85 years helping Winnipeggers and Manitobas, empowering them to lead healthy lives. Um, they're the best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products. They've also got some great things for holiday entertaining right now. Um, you know, people want to have a few drinks. They certainly don't want to drink and drive. Having a great non-alcoholic option is a great idea when it comes to hosting. Uh, and they've got some great ones too. This is the premium mocktail, the Clever G&T. You can try that. There's a number of flavors. And they've also got the Sober Carpenter non-alcoholic beers, which I've tried. Surprisingly good from someone that likes the likes the real thing. We'll talk about Little Brown Jug later. Um, but you can find it all at Vita Health. And while you're there, check out the amazing grab-and-go deli. Delicious sandwiches, incredibly good and healthy salads. Available, easy, quick, on the run. Vita Health, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. You can find out more at My Vita online. And while we're talking about uh, living well, it all starts with being hydrated and getting your water. And Culligan Water have been the water experts in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba for 65 years. Uh, they've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, and more. And right now, with all the holiday hostings, get a Culligan Water softener and cut down on those hard water stains for sparkling clean sinks, tubs, showers. Everyone will appreciate, not to mention keeping those hard water stains off your glasses and dishes at the holidays. Uh, special for the month of December, enjoy Culligan Water for $9.99 for the first three months or give the gift of Culligan Water for just $9.99 for the first three months. Give Keenan and the gang over at Culligan a call at 204-694-5180. Visit them at 1200 Sargent or... Check out more online at drinkculligan.com. All right. For the first time ever, we go all the way to the West Coast, not to California, not to Vancouver, but to the beautiful state of Washington Climate Pledge Arena, Seattle, Washington, where the NHL's newest team, the Kraken, hosts the Winnipeg Jets tonight. And our good friend Marat Atesh with The Athletic is there in Seattle getting ready for the Jets skate coming up in just a few minutes. Marat, how are you? And uh, how's the Emerald City? 
<laughs> um, I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to be here at Winnipeg's first ever game in Seattle. Climate Pledge Arena is honestly gorgeous. Just above me, there's one end of the arena is a glass wall up at the upper deck level. So people can actually saunter up to it from outside and have a look down at, at the ice below. I think that's a neat little feature. There's a lovely outdoor setup, a lot of great landscaping outside. The building is great. Um, and in front of me as well, I'm pointed at the ice. I think that's Nathan Bowley who's just taking to the ice and then Eric Comrie's getting ready as well. So Jets Morning Skate is about to start. Yeah, you know, just before we get to the Jets, um, you know, Seattle, anyone that's been there, such a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, the arena is groundbreaking in many ways. Um, it's, what was it like getting to the arena for the first time? A lot of kind of rubbernecking at uh, just how cool it looked. <laughs> Everything that I've seen seems like it's a must do for uh, for hockey fans at some point over the next few years. Yeah, you know what? I would circle this one on the calendar, you know, with each Jets game um, schedule that gets released because it is genuinely worth the pilgrimage. The outside design is amazing. To be able to walk in... Um, at ground, sorry, ground level outside is upper deck level here. And that's an interesting design element as well. The building is great. The downtown area is great as well. I mean, I'm a guy that loves the ocean. So to be able to walk from the hotel five minutes beside the sea on the way, way here was really great as well. Um, yeah, this is one that I'm going to remember and I'm going to mark on my calendar too for, for upcoming seasons. Hey, let me ask you this, just uh, walking around the city before you actually get down to business with the skate and what's going on tonight. Um, do you see a lot of presence of the Kraken? Have you talked to any people that have been talking about the hockey team interested as to just how the start's gone in the community um, that seemed so excited to be the NHL's 32nd club? You know, 100%. moment I stepped off the airplane and into the airport, I noticed in the crowd there are a bunch of Kraken caps, you know, that beautiful S logo with the, with the glowing red eye. Um, I, I saw it everywhere, and people are wearing it. As soon as I got into the Uber on the way to the hotel, I mentioned what I was doing, and he said, oh, my goodness, I haven't been down to a, to a game yet, but I follow the team. The rink is beautiful. Same thing with servers I've had for the couple of meals that I've been able to grab so far here. Like, they know that there's a presence here. They're excited about it. And, and that's cool. And, I, and I'm, I'm told, I was just talking to somebody who works here, that there will be people faces up against that glass up at that level two tonight. So, so that's particularly cool. One thing I forgot to tell you, Hus, a little shout out to Swan River, Manitoba's Sean Stankowicz, who's part of the landscape design team that actually worked on the outdoor facilities here. And it's cool that there's even a Manitoban touch that connects to what's going on here that's so well. Absolutely. I, well, I, you know, I actually was at a game with one of the uh, year old pals from Pinawa on the weekend uh, at the, uh, the some great Murata Tesh uh, minor hockey stories uh, being bantered oh, no. around during that game. And, you know, and, and to be honest, it was a nice reprieve from the jet power play in the third period. But I, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Um, let's get to the big story. Vili Hainala recalled, um, you know, he's with the club right now and, you know, we'll be paying attention throughout the day. Um, with reporting after we hear from the coach as to whether he's in. Um, it seemed like a bit of a departure from the original plan that Paul Maurice set out before the game against Carolina in that there would be a call-up, but it would likely be for the Vancouver game without the border travel. Why do you think they sped this up? Was it the performance or the difficulties that the blue line had, especially with Logan Stanley moving on to his offside, in your opinion? You know, I think that there is some truth to that, um, especially given that my understanding of practice yesterday, and I was in the air, but it was that Logan Stanley was moved to the left side of that pairing with Brendan Dillon playing on the right. So that's interesting that 
you know, Winnipeg gave him two levels up at once, you know, go from playing third pair competition, which with the Jets is very different from top four competition. They manage those minutes very well on that bench. So that was was a major challenge for Stanley. And then to play on his offside, that was two at once. So maybe the performance, not just his, but everybody's uh, amongst the Winnipeg Jets, Blue Liners and the full team, let's be real, um, that may have had a lot to do with it. I know Paul Maurice said yesterday that some of Seattle's pressure is similar to that of Carolina. And Winnipeg's defenseman struggled heading into the corner, picking up the puck, making a quick retrieval, and then beating that first piece of pressure because there was so much of it. I mean, presumably that's actually one of the strengths that should be NHL ready for Ville Hanalo right now. And by the way, I do see him on the ice out here. So he's made it. He's at morning skate. We'll see what the lines end up being. Um, so that could definitely be part of it. It could be just, uh, it could be also a reflection that, you know, Neil Pionk could be out for, for a while. This is speculation on my part, but I always thought if it was just going to be one or two games, they'd call up a veteran, like perhaps Jonathan Kovacevic, you know, Nelson Ogier used to be first in line for these types of things, but that is Billy Hanela. You start to wonder if they're going to get him game action. It may mean that there's a few more days to this for, for Neil Pionk and, concussions as we know are, are difficult to project well and the other thing and remo and i talked about this off the uh, top of the program in that you know you also have to think about what you're missing out of the lineup in neil pionk i mean he's a puck mover he can play big minutes he's very impactful on the power play which is struggling right now um you know when you look at the tools of the defenseman for the manitoba moose right now Billy Hainala is the guy that checks off the most boxes. And if they were calling someone to come in and try and pick up some of the slack of one of the Jets' top defenders being out of the lineup, it does make sense that Billy Hainala was the guy that got the call. And frankly, it makes sense that maybe we get the chance to see him, if not tomorrow, maybe even tonight. Yeah, it's possible. Absolutely, it is. And, you know, I'm interested to see what Winnipeg does on the power plate. Nate Schmidt is the obvious promotion to that top unit in uh, what had been Neil Pionk's spot. But that Schmidt-Morrissey connection was working so well. So does Winnipeg put a forward in that spot? It's certainly not going to put Brendan Dillon there. It's not likely to put Logan Stanley or Nathan Beaulieu there. So could that be Ville Hanala's ticket uh, to getting playing time as soon as tonight? We'll see. I mean, they haven't broken into line formations or anything like that in front of us quite yet. So um, that's going to be a, a clue. Certainly, Hanala won't bring the physicality that Pionk brings. But in terms of the retrievals, uh, quick puck movement, every play in Manitoba. And I've watched a handful of games of late for, for Billy Hanala. Every play when he's on the ice seems to run through him. He gets a piece of a lot of things, always in on the action in all three zones, um, makes terrific passes. The one thing is that he's still at that level sometimes does struggle with the size. And uh, and certainly because the puck is almost always on his stick, you'll see a turnover or two as well, which I think is par for the course of somebody that's skilled. I would love to see him. I keep talking about what I like uh, from his game. You know, I, I would love to see him as soon as tonight. We shall see. We shall see. Um, it, it, just back to Tuesday for a minute. Um, you know, the power play, I mean, once again, I mean, a glorious opportunity to get right back in the game with a five-minute major in the third period and nothing really happening on it. I mean, we've talked a lot about special teams, but a lot of the times when we've been talking about special teams, we've mentioned, well, at five on five, the team's been quite good. Um, the high danger scoring chances were, what, 15 to one for the Hurricanes on Tuesday? I mean, what did you make of Tuesday? Was this just a, ga a game of a team that, you know, wasn't prepared maybe that the way they should be. I know Paul Maurice said that and kind of took it on him. Usually when coaches say that they're covering for their players, that's sort of the way I read it right now. But, um, you know, after such a weekend with so much excitement and two big wins, um, what did you make of a pretty disappointing night on Tuesday for the Jets? I mean, they got dominated. That's what happens. And 
when they lost five games in a row, I didn't see dominance other than like stretches of that Minnesota game, which was a strange one. Um, you know, there were there bounces and other things and et, et cetera. Carolina actually genuinely took it to Winnipeg in all three zones all night long. It was it was the worst loss and the worst performance, I think, of Winnipeg's season from a flow of play standpoint. I know I think it was 4-2 in the end. That doesn't look horrendous on paper. It was horrendous to watch. Um, and so when you have Paul Maurice saying that, hey, that's on him, he didn't get the team prepared, I agree with you. I think he's taking cover. And he can't stare us in the eye and say, you know what, we played pretty well despite the bounces. I mean, they played poorly. They played very, very poorly. And so I think that that's what he did. He, just, he spread his elbows up and said, okay, it's on me. I wonder if there's a little bit of emotional hangover from that Sunday night Blake Wheeler buildup and they took Monday off. So they're not like getting the legs going the day after that. And um, I wonder if that's part of it as well. But I think that for me, my biggest takeaway, you know, any guesses aside, my biggest takeaway is that Carolina's structure is dominant. It's suffocating. They, they, when they have the puck, they have puck support, at least two options every time that they have the puck. When they don't have the puck, they're all over. Uh, they were all over Winnipeg, taking away time and space. Um, not just from the puck carrier, but from, you know, his one option when there was one and his two options when there were two. Uh, it was so difficult for Winnipeg to get any traction at five on five or even on the power play where, again, Carolina structure, Sean. And what I thought it was, was an example of the best or one of the best structured teams in the NHL showing Winnipeg that, hey, you're a pretty good team. But if you want to be among the elites, even at five on five, uh, you're a little ways off yet. And I think that's the takeaway right now is Winnipeg will probably make the playoffs. But are they in that echelon? Not right now. Not today. Well, and, you know, a long way to go, a lot of hockey to go before anyone's even a playoff team. I, mean, I think we all agree that this team certainly has it in them to be that. But you're going to need, you know, not very many nights like we saw on Tuesday if you actually want to do that. You know, especially measuring yourself up against a team like Carolina. Let's talk about the power play for a minute, Marat, because it's been a, a common theme uh, over the past month or so. Toronto game on Sunday, notwithstanding, um, you know, man, it was frustrating watching them. I mean, just the inability to even get into the zone. Um, was that the Jets not doing any doing things very well, or how much credit do we need to give to a Carolina penalty killing unit that, in an ironic twist, if the Jets want to look at tape and get better on their PK, they might just want to play Tuesday night's tape of when they were on the power play and say, do what the opponents were doing. Yeah, exactly right. I agree with you on that last point for sure. You look at the way the Carolina protected its blue line and the commitment to structure. Like you could watch them move as one, it felt like. You know, the four spread out along the line and they would adjust to Winnipeg's various attempts to, to move the puck sideways in the neutral zone or what have you. There was always just the right amount of space and time taken away. But at the same time, so you want to give full credit to the Carolina Hurricanes. At the same time, there are five Winnipeg Jets and four Carolina Hurricanes. So you got to be better than that, is, is my takeaway from that. Uh, Nick Ehlers said that the trick to beating that kind of perfect structure spread out uh, I, in terms of gaining the, gaining the blue line on that power play is that the Jets need to move the, do a better job of moving the puck sideways more quickly because naturally the puck carrier draws more attention and, and the, uh, the structure across the line fades towards him a little bit. That should open up space elsewhere. Winnipeg was slow to do that. The other thing that Winnipeg sort of tried and completely failed to do was if there are those, if there is that kind of perfectly structured pressure on the puck carrier, they weren't able to chip and then make the retrieval on the wall and win that battle. And so for me, you have to credit Carolina for how well they did it. But let's say they chip and there's a battle. There are five Winnipeg Jets and four Carolina Hurricanes. So you got to complain, I think, a little bit about Winnipeg's inability to execute 
get that puck, deal with the pressure, and then get to a point where they're set up in zone. Because even when they got that first touch in the zone, they weren't quite able to get set up because Carolina was all over them and they were too slow uh, to sort of get a release, get the get the puck to a soft spot on the ice without that pressure and then get set up. It was, it was a touch slow in addition to all the pressure they were dealing with. Hey, Murat, overall, I mean, as we mentioned, it was a pretty lethargic performance by the Jets from top to bottom. However, I mean, I did think Pierre-Luc Dubois had another strong game and we're starting to see a very different, um, well, very different results from the Dubois-Ehlers combination that we saw in extended periods of time last year. It seems like Ehlers is refining his scoring touch right now. And for my opinion, Night in and night out, Pierre-Luc Dubois continues to be the driver of Winnipeg forwards. What have you thought about that combination along with Andrew Kopp so far in the small amount of time they've been playing together? Well, I've liked it. I, I read it the game the same way as you. Pierre-Luc Dubois was one of the few Jets that was able to impact the game and sort of shape it to his own will a couple of shifts for, for a couple of moments. And Nick Ehlers was a pretty big beneficiary of that. What a goal, right? I mean, and now Nick Ehlers is on a little bit of a mini heater, and that's a nice thing to see. At the beginning of the season... Uh, hold on. Last season, you had Nick Ehlers going and you didn't have Pierre-Luc Dubois going. At the beginning of this season, you have Pierre-Luc Dubois going and you didn't have Nick Ehlers going. I think whatever was ailing him, that lower body injury, that hamstring that's been alluded to a couple of times, but he hasn't spoken much about, I think that's gone. I think he's moving extremely well now. Uh, I think that that combination where Pierre-Luc Dubois can play the power game. So even on against a team like Carolina, where that pressure in the neutral zone, when whenever Winnipeg has the puck, well, Dubois can kind of body guys. He can absorb that sort of half interference that Carolina likes to play and still protect the puck. So he's able to be a productive player even against that type of game. He can also play that speed and playmaking game, and you certainly saw Nick Ehlers be the beneficiary of that. I'm looking forward to more of that now that we can genuinely say these guys are at the top of their game. And if you want to make that a line that can play against anybody, well, Andrew Kopp can do a little bit of everything. His offense is, you know, is there, and, and it certainly showed up over the last couple of seasons. Uh, we talked a lot about that, but he'll forever be this guy that is capable of helping a center play his best game because he makes great reads in the defensive zone as well. And then in transition, he's good at putting the puck into areas for Nicholas to skate onto uh, as well. So I really like the makeup and structure of that line. Uh, hopefully you see them actually kind of get to roll as opposed to when, you know, being the one bright light of a difficult night as they were against Carolina. You'd like to see them chain multiple offensive zone shifts together because those guys are driving. And then Connor Shifley and Kyle Con or and Blake Wheeler, pardon me, which names did I say? Which one did I leave out? Um, and you would like to see them get going so these guys can chain these shifts together. Well, you know, just on that topic, and before we get to what you're looking at in the skate and as it pertains to tonight's game, um, I mean, I think we've seen Dubois become, I mean, certainly if you want to talk about centers, I mean, he's he's providing the offense. He's also clearly been the most difficult center to play against for the Winnipeg Jets. I know as of late, the Connor Shifley-Wheeler line has been going out first over the boards. But with the way that Dubois is playing right now, the fact that Cop's on the line, Ehlers is going well. Do you see a, a time in the future, if this continues, where that line essentially becomes the number one line and Paul Maurice maybe uses them in a different way or in a way that he traditionally has thrown out the Shifley line first? I mean, I'd certainly like to. And I think that there's only a certain amount of time where that level of performance goes unmet with those matchup minutes. I think we still see Shifley at 20-something at the end of most nights and Dubois at 18 or 19 or whatever it is. So we're, we're not at that crossroads yet, to be sure. But I think performance dictates that we should be. And when, like you say, 
they can kind of play against anybody, especially with the Oilers going again now. The transition element should be there. And then everything that Cobb and Dubois have done so well together, you know, that should be a line that you can play power versus power against any situation. And Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler have started to produce offense. They're still minus at five on five over the last few years, but they're putting pucks in the net. They're still giving away uh, a fair bit in their own zone by comparison. And by in terms of what zone they play in, they spend more time in their own end, not able to quite get those shut, uh, those stops and move the puck in the other direction. So if you're looking at a matchup capacity kind of team, I think that I agree with you wholeheartedly that Dubois line is the one that you want to lean on and should be able to. But I don't know if you, this is a horrible analogy. Okay, this is this is not going to work, and uh, but I'm going to try if you'll bear with me. Right? Please. Uh, I have played soccer in a men's league for years. In my 20s, I was very fast. In my 30s, I am not. And there are people who remember me from my 20s who try to play defense against me and give me way too much time and space because they remember what I'm supposed to be able to do. Sometimes I think that we treat Blake Wheeler and that line as that same ghost of 2017-18 when they were dominant and they could play that perimeter game and time they're moving the puck into the middle and they genuinely controlled the flow of play against teams. They haven't particularly done that except for like these little hot stretches here or that since then. And I still think that they get the treatment of their, their previous dominant level. I'd like to give them more time right here and now because I think Kyle Connor is driving in a way that he didn't used to back in the day. Um, I think there's still time and there's still hope, but I think we also need to be realistic of the level that that line is performing at right here and now and not the vestiges of their greatness during uh, their, their, their youth by comparison. Well, you know, I love the analogy. And, you know, on top of that, I mean, I think, you know, while we're on this topic, I think there's an argument to be made that while it makes sense to have Dubois taking the most difficult matchup against the top line on the other squad. I think at the same time, I mean, having Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor maybe going up against, you know, a, a notch down of competition might put them in a much better situation to hopefully have better results first and foremost in their own end uh, because you know if they play the amount that they will, they will get their chances in the offensive zone. And, you know, barring the the power outage that we had almost saw almost the entire team a few weeks ago um they should be able to capitalize on some of their chances but to your point i mean it's not all about scoring especially for that line it's about being ahead in that matchup at the end of 60 minutes and over a longer sample yeah exactly right i mean create more than you give up and you know they'll create you absolutely do um i think it was last week we were talking and i was like you know what mark Shelfley creates every night he's getting robbed nightly He'll break out. He's due. It will happen. And you can genuinely believe that. And, you know, I'm not sure that they'll ever face soft competition that's truly soft by NHL standards because other coaches won't allow that to happen. But if there's anybody that's going to quick strike and make teams pay when they make these mistakes, I mean, wouldn't it be Kyle Connor? Wouldn't it be Mark Shipley? These are two deadly offensive creators. Um, and you like the idea of them being able to exploit those moments should they get them. Um, and it's oversimplified to imagine that I think the top line gets, you know, X and then the second line gets something substantially worse. They, everybody plays against a mixture of opponents, unless you're the fourth line or the third pairing. Uh, but I like the idea, especially because of how dangerous Connor and Shapley are in transition. Marana Tesh of The Athletic is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, live at Climate Pledge Arena. Jets are on the ice right now. Um, uh, 
What do your eyes tell you? What's going on out there right now, Murat? Uh, who's in? I always see you guys tweeting. Connor's in the starters net. Do we know who's in the starters <laughs> net right now? And uh, can we uh, can we gleam anything as it pertains to the defense? Maybe Vili Hainel. Uh, just give us a little idea about what you're looking at. Well, right now Connor Hellebuck uh, is on the bench, chilling out, and Eric Comrie is taking shots. And I believe that this is the indication that Connor Hellebuck's going to start tonight. I think that he's done his reps, and, and now he's he's just you know doing his mental prep. Let's say um, we're not watching line matchups. It's it's sort of uh, it's sort of disintegrated into post structure. It's guys are just shooting and what have you. But Ville Hanley is among them. There's seven defensemen on the ice right now. Um, and in terms of how they're grouped, no clues. No, there's no hint uh, from what I can see right here in terms of who's going to play with whom. Everyone's just hanging out on the ice, uh, you know, getting a little skate in, ripping a few pucks, and uh, getting ready for this first ever game against the Seattle Kraken tonight. Um, going to see a few familiar faces in the Kraken lineup tonight. Uh, Brandon Tanev, I think already the most popular player on the on the Kraken. I actually saw a guy wearing a release the Tanev shirt last weekend, which uh, I'm like, that is amazing. And of course, Mason Appleton, who kind of, I think, surprising to a lot of Winnipeg Jet fans at times has found himself out of the lineup after being such an important part of the Jets last season, Murat. Yeah, I, I keep hearing how about how inconsistent he's been in Seattle and how, you know, that game that you saw, like this budding power forward where he would turn the corner on people, drive the puck to the net. That was his best look in Winnipeg. And he, he would do it progressively more regularly as he was getting those regular third line minutes uh, for whatever reason he hasn't been able to cement those minutes for himself and then in the absence of those minutes you know whatever he is getting I don't think that that folks over here believe that he's demonstrated his best qualities often enough and honestly I am surprised because I thought that he was in a position where he had um, sort of stabilized as a as a consistent you know top nine sort of player in the NHL uh, when he didn't have that role before, though, heading into last season's training camp, he did a good job of stapling himself to Adam Lowry and all the, the warm-ups and drills and everything like that. And so I feel like he'll he'll find it as long as he sort of endures throughout that. That said, what I keep reading people on Twitter be like, hey, Mason Appleton, you know, not getting a ton of minutes in Seattle. Shouldn't Winnipeg trade for him? And uh, I, I think that's a that's a fun fun depth idea as as well. That type of player wouldn't be the worst to add to Winnipeg as well right now. No, no, it, there's no doubt about that. And you know everything with Winnipeg right now, never mind trades, just call ups has so much to do with the cap <laughs> right now. I mean, you literally yes. need to have a capologist on retainer at all times. I think could this work? What would you have to do? Uh, but I think in, in the idea of Mason Appleton maybe being a better fit here than he seemed to be so far in Seattle certainly has uh, has borne out. Um, you know, quick back to back, and I guess you, you'll be in Vancouver tomorrow for the game. Yeah, that's right. Lots going on with the Canucks. Sounds like Jim Rutherford's the new president of hockey operations, and whatever that's up in the front office. But smiling Bruce Boudreaux's got a couple wins for the Canucks. The swag is back on the West Coast. This should be an interesting one tomorrow night. Yeah, always fascinating to see what happens in these moments. I mean, I remember Montreal having its new coach right before a, a game against the Jets last year, and they were doing in their morning skate, they were doing teaching, which you don't normally see, like explaining what the systems are supposed to see. Usually that's just kind of a fine-tuning thing. Bruce Boudreaux, meanwhile, seems to have this reputation of being able to go into places where there's chaos and creating order, getting the stars back on board. It seems like the returns early are good on that front. And I'm not sure what that's looked like. I haven't seen those games, whether those minutes have shifted way into Elias Pettersson and, and otherwise, um, if there have been actual structural changes, or if 
it's just been a wake-up call on behalf of everybody. I think from my understanding that the stars weren't getting big minutes before, so it could be just a little bit about shifting the knobs in their direction. Things have gone well so far. I can't wait to see what it actually looks like uh, when we get there tomorrow. Yeah, no, I know there would be a few uh, Winnipeg folks out there. There always is when uh, the team plays on the West Coast of some expats. I know some people. My buddy Bonte from Vita Health is heading out there for the game with some friends. So uh, hopefully we'll see it again. And it's a weird schedule. I mean, God, and we talk a lot about time zones and back-to-backs. But, man, you come off that game against Carolina – straight to the West Coast, play tonight and tomorrow, and then get three days off at home before the Buffalo Sabres. They probably would have loved to maybe have a day in between. That isn't the case. But honestly, Murat, I mean, for all the talk we've heard about those challenges, at a certain point, those have to just be things that you deal with and go out. Um, You know, both of these teams are below the Jets in the standings. You're coming off a disappointing game against Carolina. Um, It would be disappointing if we didn't see the best out of the Winnipeg Jets the the, the next two nights. I agree with that completely. At some point, it has to be like these challenges have to be the reason why their success was more impressive and not the reasons why they failed. And I think that against two teams that have struggled. And yes, I, my understanding is Seattle is, has played a pretty structured game and doesn't give up a lot. And their defense is pretty good, but they haven't had a lot of wins. Their offense has not really been, you know, they're not a particularly dangerous offensive team in terms of what they create. So Winnipeg should be able to, to like, make their statement that, hey, Carolina was a one-off. The the Jets should be a, a tier above that. And with Vancouver, sure, they've, they've won a couple right away, but they've been in chaos for, you know, more a year, let's say. I mean, I know last year was a struggle with COVID and, and other things and results and performance last year for Vancouver as well. So if Winnipeg really is in that upper echelon of teams, maybe near the bottom of the top 10 in the NHL, somewhere kind of in that range, well, then there are games that you look on at the schedule and you think that they should win those. And even after the three-day break heading into that game against Buffalo, you know, you want to, if, if they look stagnant in that, I don't think that's acceptable either because Buffalo is it where it's at in its development point right now. So you're looking for Winnipeg to put up points and prove that it's not a team that's going to let these kinds of details get in their way and instead prove that they can succeed despite them. Now looking forward to it. Uh, what's the travel like from Seattle to Vancouver? Is just a quick flight? Yeah, it's like half an hour in the air, something like that. Like close my eyes, open my eyes. And because I connected from Vancouver here yesterday, it was easy. A little, little different than uh, the uh, the flight from Winnipeg to get down to Seattle. Marat, thanks so much for joining us uh, from uh, Climate Pledge Arena. Looking forward to all of your coverage on this road trip. Uh, travel safely and enjoy these two games. And uh, enjoy the Grey Cup. You think the Bombers can get it done on Sunday? Listen, I've been I've been talking to to Zach, who's got that Jets fan, sorry Bombers fans podcast. Or yes, what have you. let's go Bombers pod. And I understand you were a guest and everything that I hear from him, you know, Winnipeg's metrics are all in the right places. It's a great team. It's a deep team. And I hear that from you as well. So I think, you know, go Bombers. I I can wear that on my sleeve. I'll be cheering for the Bombers this weekend. Right on. Thanks so much, pal. We'll look forward to seeing you back in the peg next week. Right on. Thanks, guys. There he is at WPG Marat. That's Marat Atesh. Subscribe to The Athletic and check out all the great content. Yes, we're going to move from the Jets to the Bombers. I cannot wait for this next segment because it's the return of Troy Westwood. Now, before we do that, Westy's going to power up the show with his visit. And of course, Manitoba battery is the place to power up anything you need that takes a battery. And of course, the biggest thing right now is automotive. We're getting into winter. Many people need new batteries, get the best price in town on the battery, even with it delivered to you from the folks at Manitoba battery, starting at 89 50 in store with core exchange. 
Um, and of course, sled season is here too. A lot of people looking forward to getting out on the trails as we get a little colder and some more snow. Um, Manitoba Battery has batteries for pretty much any sled, all in a range of about $65 to $75. Uh, some great specials coming up for the month of December as well. Um, but the bottom line is, if something needs a battery, shop local. Support a great sponsor of ours and get the best price on batteries in town at Manitoba Battery. Donnie, the godfather, that gang are waiting for you. 1026 Logan Avenue, 783-8787. Give them a call or find out more online at manitobabattery.com. Very jealous. Uh, this is the first Grey Cup I haven't been to in a long time. My pal Greg Hasbeek over at Royal Sports, though, uh, I think he's like 28 or 29 in a row. He and the boys were wheels up today to get out to Hamilton like so many Bomber fans are. But for those of you, well, if you're going, you can stop off to Royal before you go. Uh, but for the rest of us that are sitting around wanting to rep the blue and gold on Grey Cup Sunday, Royal Sports is your one-stop shop for all things. Bomber gear, Jets gear, really licensed merchandise from any of your favorite teams not to mention the hockey superstore. Uh, you'll be able to go in, not only get ready for Grey Cup Sunday, but probably take care of all of your holiday shopping for sports fans at the same time. And make sure to check out all the cool stuff on the King's Skate, Snow, and Surf side over at Pemina Highway. And they've got tons of deals going on right now heading into the holidays. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest from our friends over at Royal Sports. And speaking of Greg from Royal heading out to Great Cups, so was our guy Trevor Knott, not Auto Corp, big sponsors and supporters of the Blue Bombers. They'll be there representing in the hammer. Of course, Knott is the spot to uh, get your vehicle buying journey started. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knott team? You can see Milt Stiegel rolling through the new Winnipeg Car Lab on the uh, ad we're running right now. If you're joining us live on YouTube, uh, they're over there at Waverly and McGilvery. You can also find out more on everything they've going on at the Winnipeg Car Lab and at Knott Auto Corp online at Knott.ca. All right, great Jets chat with Marat. We'll have more on the hockey club tomorrow as they move from Seattle to Vancouver. But it is Grey Cup week, and we had to bring in the longtime voice of the big show and a great friend of ours on Winnipeg Sports Talk, the one and only Troy Westwood, to get ready for the big game. Westy, thanks so much for doing this, pal. How are you? Mm, doing well, brother. How how you doing, man? You know what? I finally warmed up from Sunday, first mm -hmm. and foremost. It took me a good couple of days to do that and um and to be honest just the body uh, took quite a bit banging out the double header being outside for those four hours at the stadium and then heading to the jet game um may have taken a couple of years off my life but man was it worth it i mean it's, you've been around this city for a long time both as a player in the media as someone that supports the team how special was that on sunday it was pretty doggone special and spectacular. And I saw I saw you on uh, Twitter right after the game saying that it was worth it. I questioned, I, I just outright question whether or not it's worth it. I'm much more proponent of the private suite, right, at home and on the couch and that sort of thing. But, hey, man, tip of the cap to everybody that went out there. That was a cold day, man. I was putting up some Christmas lights early before the game. That was just a flat, cold day. I still can't believe, Huss, that they were able to – it's got to be an absolute record in high level, like whether it's college, university, pro ball, to have five turnovers in the first half and only be down by three points. I, that, that's just astonishing. I still can't believe that actually happened. No, I mean, you're right. And, and, and the weird thing was, Westy, 
It wasn't like they were playing terrible in all aspects of the game. I mean, to be honest, they got the football rolled all the way down. Nick Dembski catches that ball, I mean, 49 times out of 50. And I think the elements really started to play into that. And it wasn't just a drop. I mean, it was basically a tip drill to Ed Ganey, and all of a sudden it's a pick. No problem. Defense gets the ball back. They go all the way down. And then a fumble on the goal and gets returned 100 yards the other way. Three minutes into the game, it should have been 14-0 for the Bombers, and yet it's 7-0 for the Riders. And, you know, I have to admit, talking with the guys that I was sitting with, you know, it was a terrible way to start the game. But knowing what determines football wins and losses over 60 minutes, you couldn't help but look at what the Bombers were doing, especially on the line of scrimmage, and thought that there was a lot of positives. But that being said, to your point, you can't keep turning the football over and expect to win. But the fact that it was a three-point football game at halftime after the Bombers had turned it over five times, there was still, I think, some confidence within that building, something that we would have never seen before Mm. 2019 um, because of both just how well they were playing in other aspects. And again, you want to put up points, you still have to get it on that Blue Bomber defense. And uh, man, they were full marks on Sunday. And people are talking about, oh, Saskatchewan gave him a good go. What? The Bombers tried to give it to you on a silver platter. And you guys couldn't muster jack squat, right? They were giving you gifts from God, from the football gods. And you couldn't muster anything. I, I couldn't believe that whole take. Like, all oh, those cute little Saskatchewan Rough Riders <laughs> almost pulled it off in Winnipeg. Come on, man. But yeah, I'm right there with you on that D, man. Like, holy cow. And who who here in, in this province thought the, the boys were going to lose at halftime? No. It was like, if we're only down by three after five turnovers, you guys, it's just a matter of time until the it all kicks in here. But I, what, and what I find very exciting, Huss, is to survive that sort of a level of stumble, and now you're going into the championship game, right? Like you get up off the ground, dust off, sort of shake, and – get the snow off you and go, whoo, that was a close one. We survived it, though. Now look out. I got to feel bad for Hamilton a little bit because if there's any sort of semblance of of uh, just anything normal upcoming here, look out. Well, I'm with you on on that, Westy. And, and, you know, I was talking with some guys, you know, in between games on the way downtown and we were looking ahead to the Grey Cup and knowing that Hamilton was going to be the home team. And, you, you know, I couldn't help but thinking, I mean, like that's Hamilton needed that to happen and that to happen in the gray cup and maybe make more of it. I can't see that happening again, two weeks in a row. I mean, put it this way. If Hamilton wins this football game on Sunday, to me, it's going to be, you know, some of their players stepping up with their best performances of the season and actually winning the football game. Because um, considering what the bombers did and didn't do on Sunday, I can't possibly imagine that Mike O'Shea's club will give anywhere near the opportunities to their opponents on Sunday that they did last Sunday against the Riders. Agreed. And it's weird because coming into this game, Huss, like I'm, I, I'm thinking this is going to be a good game, right? Like it's going to be a, a, a very similar to the great cup in 19, where it's just, this is going to be a couple things here and there. They're going to decide the outcome of this game. But then you reflect back on just how ridiculously dominant the Bombers were throughout that regular season. And if they they go back to that a little bit and protect the Rock um, the way that they're completely, and, and I think we all expect them to have a very much so a bounce-back game from that manner, that maybe they can go in there and just stomp the Ticats. And Huss, I, we got to talk about Andrew Harris. I, I just, th- that guy is unbelievable. I, hearing some of the, I think it's uh, Samori Lawrence, Lawrence sort of saying mock or jokingly that, hey, maybe they just saved him for the playoffs. 
but can you, I can't ever recall whether in the room while I was in the room or, or watching as a fan in years before and after that, a bomber that so single-handedly defines the team. Like that guy is just, the, what he does, I, can't, like, I, I feel what he does as a fan now watching where he makes you feel like wanting to run through a wall and that's like you just feel his level, like that give a F factor that we hear a bunch of times and talking, you hear a lot with the Jets and you know, the level of compete, what he brings to the table. It is amazing how this team in, in a lot of ways just sort of emanates that level of compete that he brings to the table every single time he's on the field. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and Westy, I mean, I've sort of had this take for a couple of years, really heading into 2019. But I really do think that if you go back in the long, rich history of Blue Bomber football, Andrew Harris's signing in Winnipeg is the most impactful free agent signing in Blue Bomber history. Um, from both what he's done on the field, what he's been able to do, connecting you know the fan base with the community, being a local guy. But at the end of the day, a guy that come playoff time, like we saw in 2019, you can stick it in his hands and you know he's going to get you a first down and he's going to make the opposition pay each and every time they try yeah. to, to bring him down. And um, you know it was vintage Andrew Harris. And even more impressive considering him the amount of time that he had been out of the lineup. And, you know, we had Hamilton on last week and Eddie Tate. And both of them had said they were at the practice on Wednesday and they said he looked great. And then apparently there was a bit of a setback and he wasn't in there. But, you know, they both thought that he would be out there. And if Andrew Harris is out there and playing in the game, I think we're going to get what we saw on Sunday. And that is, I mean, a, a guy that not only moves the football and makes the opposition pay, but I think inspires his teammates and certainly inspired that crowd that um, was a big, big part of the win on Sunday as well. Yeah, I think that that inspires his teammates, Huss. I think that's a massive part of this team, right? Like they've got some real awesome pillars of culture and and character there, like and led by Mike O'Shea. Right. And go, going back to the early days where people were like, there's no fire in him. And right, the, that whole short, stupid stuff. And and he was always so composed in front of the media. But anybody that knows Michael Shea knows what burns in his soul as a coach and as a player. And then you got like just some of the, the characters and in individuals, whether it's Willie Jefferson or a, a number of guys. But like Andrew Harris is such a pillar of that, of just everything that is kind of football and a level of competition and what he brings to the table every single time he walks across that line, man. It's, I am right there with you, Huss. Since his arrival, just watching it, it's contagious as the Dickens, and it's it's just an absolute pleasure to watch him, man. I don't know how much more he's got left in the tank. You know, he's he's not young as a back, that's for sure. But if this is his final swan song, that that game here this past week, boy, that just adds to his legend. Well, there's no doubt about it. Now, listen, we can you can gloss on, on Harris and everything that he's done for the team and the game that he had, but we can't not talk about the bomber running game without talking about those big guys up front. And listen, I, I mean, I do maintain that Harris, what he's done to the culture of the team and the way he's changed things on the field, you know, makes him that guy, but none of that's happening. If you don't have Hardrick and Bryant and uh, Patty Newfell, I mean, the entire group, Desjardins could sure, the Bombers won the 2019 Great Cup by kicking Hamilton's ass for 60 minutes on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. That was the exact same thing on Sunday. Um, I mean, you've been you've been around teams for a long time. When you watch this Bomber team, when you're talking with Walby, 
I mean, what stands out about the Bomber offensive line? And when you break it down, might that not be the most important single unit on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers behind their success up until this point and the one that will get it done on Sunday? Well, I've, you know, just even as an idiot kicker in observing teams and, you know, spending a lot of time in doing that, Huss, that to me, the old line is always the backbone of any football team, right? Absolutely. And let's not forget what the old line of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers was upon the arrival of Kyle Walters as GM. Like, there's no place on the team that was more destitute under the eye of Joe Mack than that old line, right? Yeah, just the, ask Buck Pierce. Yeah, absolutely. It was Chuck and Duck all the time. It was just, it was an, an outrageous weak spot. And the way, how quickly Kyle Walters was able to turn that around and how basically going forward, like it's been, if it hasn't been, it, arguably the very top old line for X number of years now, right? Just pick the number of years that it's been, the top or right there with the very top in the league. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. And like you said, like when I was a part of the team for those years with Walby and Blackie and Bauer and Gorell and Benjamin all and McNeil, like all those cats, man, we had one hell of a nasty O line and, and they've got that there right now. And that is, you cannot be successful as a team if you don't have a stout and mean O line. You know, dude, I, <laughs> you bring up Walters. And I think back to our conversations, the ones that you had with Libs and then and Rewiki back at the end of the Joe Mack era and what I was having with Gary and then with Rick. And I mean, it was just, it seemed like the team was rudderless, that the general manager was clueless. And it was so obvious. And Walter's his first press conference, I remember saying, is like, well, there's some things that we need to get better at. And he said two things. We need the offensive line to be legit and we need our Canadian talent to be improved. And he got to work on that on day one and literally all this time later as they're looking to run it back as back-to-back champions. That is it. I mean, you look yeah. at the Canadians on this team, we're talking about Andrew Harris, the fact that they got three running backs, the entire yeah. depth chart Crazy. is Canadian guys, two from the same damn high school in Winnipeg, which is even more, <laughs> yeah. more nuts, yeah. along with Nick Dembski, who's also in the starting lineup. But I mean, you have all that. And uh, I mean, it is in a lot of ways, the foundation of Winnipeg. He called his shot day one, went and did it. And then you kind of look around at the other teams that are flailing in the Canadian football league. And you wonder, well, why isn't everyone literally taking that Kyle Walters blueprint and trying to emulate what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have done? Because it's pretty tough to beat. And remember when he was hired? Like, I, hey, I knew Kyle Walters, really nice guy. Of course, I know Wade. And I was like, Kyle Walters? He's the GM? Oh, that's some pretty good vision there, Mr. Miller. Holy, so whatever you saw there, right? Whatever you saw. Well, and he was that, tied to Joe Mack, too. I mean, that yes, was the other yeah, thing. It wasn't right. like he was bringing out from someone else. He was the assistant like, to Joe cut, Mack. And, cut that anchor off. Let's but, cut that yeah. anchor off. Yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty clear that I think Wade knew what was up and probably yeah. knew that, you know, the good things that were happening in the organization was coming from the assistant's office. Um, and instead of going and looking and finding some guy or a big name, I think they realized that they were onto something, certainly when it came to scouting Canadian talent, uh, which, yeah. I mean, I think they all agreed. Manus, they all right? agreed was step number one to get this team back to respectability, never mind a championship level of football. Yeah, it's an element of this team that in reflection might get the credit that it deserves us right now. It kind of, they're quiet, right? And they're going about business and whatever they're building here. I don't know how long 
this is going to last and what they've got here. But remember, even the early stages with with um, the, the coaching staff, right? All kinds of criticism. And Wade was very uh, just calm about things. Just let it out. We're going to keep patient with this and that sort of thing. Boy, they have built something really special here. And, and what a what a great way just to like you go capture another championship on Sunday. And all of a sudden the Bomber fans are like, there was a drought. What drought? <laughs> right. Well, um, you know what? And, and, you know, we're talking about some of the key players that have been part of this turnaround, a part of the championship team in, in 2019 and this special year that we've gone through. I mean, Walter's right up the top. I mean, Andrew Harris, I think already is a CFL legend, a hall of famer. I mean, to be a local guy and to be part of a back-to-back championship puts him and a number of players, even the non-local guys, in a rarefied air. But let me ask you this, Troy. Um, if the Bombers are able to do this again and come back with back-to-back championships, in your opinion, what, what does that do to Mike O'Shea in, you know, in the long history of some of the greatest coaches in Winnipeg and CFL history? I guess there's probably more to do CFL-wise, but you know, we still hear people talking about the old days of Bud Grant and certainly Cal Murphy. I got to tell you right now, and I know Bud won, I think, four and five years, a very, very different time. But man, if Mike O'Shea, considering where they started, can bring this team to back-to-back championships, I mean, I think we start talking about Osh as one of those bomber legends, even with a ton of time left in his career, should he want to continue coaching. Yeah, how many years? What kind of contract does he have? How many years? I'm not quite sure how many con, you know, he's got left on his contract. But a very good point, us, and just a, a brilliant point. And yeah, uh, and uh, boy, he came out. I remember how highly regarded he was before becoming a head coach. All the whispers and the talk about Ocean and how highly regarded he was. And even still, when you hear him talk, like just the the level of comfort, I think, and what he has done to remember they they were offering guys. 10, 20 grand more to come to Winnipeg before Mike O'Shea came here. And guys were saying, no, you offer them more money. And they're like, no, I'm not going to Winnipeg. And now players are like, I want to go and play under that umbrella of Mike O'Shea. Yeah. Yeah. They, they might be, they might be looking at that statue there by Bud Grant uh, uh, Huss and wondering, I don't know when it's a little bit early. It's early out of the gate for this sort of a thought or statement, but they might be looking for a little bit of extra room for another statue in a little bit. Well, you know what? I mean, listen, he's on that path and it's important yeah. to note. I mean, those, some of those early years, and I think Mike would be the first one to to tell you kind of off the air that, you know, he learned some hard lessons of uh, being a head coach in the first few seasons, but Credit to the organization for sticking with them when, yeah. I mean, there was so much pressure to get things turned around right away because of how far the team had fallen, the entire Grey Cup drought, um, and to think that we're sitting here on the verge of potentially talking about a second parade in the last three years with a missed season in between is a pretty special. Let's get to the game, though. Um, from my perspective, Troy, um, the reason why I'm bullish on the Bombers' chances to win this game um, comes back to what we talked about before. The Bombers dominated the line of scrimmage against the Hamilton Tiger Cats in 2019. They were the underdogs, but it was pretty clear to see once you got through that first quarter that Hamilton did not have an answer for Willie J, Willie J Jackson Jeffcoat on the defensive side of the football, and the Bombers were dominating their offensive line when it came to the running game, and it opened up so much more for the passing game. To me, the blueprint hasn't changed. I mean, they got to get out there, get it done on the line of scrimmage. And if they do that, which I think certainly all the information with what they've done so far this year tells us they will, I'm having a hard time imagining, barring 
a performance like Sunday where all of a sudden butterfingers everywhere and they're turning the football over and killing themselves that the Bombers don't win this football game. Where are you at on Sunday? I completely agree with every single point you just made there, Huss. And that's, that's really the only chance, right? And goodness, so I'm not sure what the temperature is going to be, and it doesn't really matter if they're estimating on Sunday what it's going to be on a you – know, It's going to be like five, six degrees. Balmy. You know I mean? Like, oh, yeah, awesome. for sure. I okay. mean, the guys that played last week are going to think mm. they're, uh, you know, back in the middle of summer or something like that. Yeah, so the, the only thing that could give Hamilton uh, – and, like, there was – I and I talked all season long with – with people in our city, like season ticket holders for decades and past players and stuff, us and nobody had ever seen a team as dominant as what we witnessed here during the course of the season. It was just outrageous. So the boys and and what like what we've touched on, you know, coming out of coming out of that game they just had that it was so out of sync and so many errors that were made and to come out and survive that that should propel you forward for a super wicked clean game. With and and you know, emphasizing ball security, that sort of thing. If all of those things come together, the boys should should be able to win fairly handily. They keep the turnovers low, keep Speedy Banks at bay, don't let him pull any any quick returns on you, and that sort of thing. And and the boys should be able to handle this, man. Well, and and you know what? Let me ask you this too uh, before we finish up, because I mean, you uh, you know been part of special teams units your entire life. You know how important the kicking game is, and what a I mean, kind of hilarious that the kicking game was what we talked about all year long, because despite the fact that they were beating teams by 25 or 30, it probably should have been 35 or 40 if the kicks were being made. Castillo's in here. The punting game has been pretty solid under Legio. Um, And Hamilton has had, you know, a real up and down season from a kicking game perspective as well. What do you make of the special teams matchup? And does it really come down to the Bombers just better not let Speedy Banks get into the house? I think that's what it comes down to, man. And and yeah, like last week, you, you had to look at the kicking game thinking that if it comes down to a big one that Saskatchewan's probably got the upper hand here. But a great point that you make that Hamilton has maybe even had a rougher ride or an equally disturbing ride from that position here. And yeah, I think it all comes down to you keep banks controlled. Don't give them a big shot of hope in the arm by a big a big return. And, and then everything, once everything else settles down around that, you should be able to walk out with another ring. That's the way it should work. Westy, uh, so great having you back on the program. Uh, how's Trey doing? Uh, growing like a weed? Or remember, he was just little running around the studio. What's up with the family? How's everything else going for you? Yeah, he, we, share, we sure had a lot of fun when he would come to the, uh, the studio with us, man. But yeah, he's, he's as tall as I am now at 13, right? He's always uh, giving me the gears about that. And the family's everybody's healthy and happy, my friend. Thank you for asking. Well, hopefully people are that much happier at the end of the uh, 60 minutes of football in Hamilton on Sunday, and we can talk about a back-to-back championship for the Grey Cup uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Troy, this was so much fun. Let's do this again soon. Be well. Everyone is loving the fact that you're back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. They miss you, and uh, let's do this again. A pleasure, brother. Take care, man. There he is, the one and only Troy Westwood, at Troy Westwood on Twitter our great friend from all those days at 1290. And of course, a bomber legend himself, Mr. 661. Never forget that in a row. Uh, he uh, never missed a convert. One of the great, great numbers um, that I don't think, well, it won't ever be broken, especially with the way the rules have changed going forward. But uh, heck of a lot of fun having Westy on the program. We are going to talk more great cup. And this time with a little bit of a different slant, um, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be heading over to, uh, to Hamilton. Um, but listen, I do want to mention, folks, and Remus just mentioned this in the chat. You may have not seen it. This has been a great week for us. 
massive numbers with all the excitement about the Bombers going to the Grey Cup and, you know, the usual with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, tons of interest on that. We are uh, we are just about at 6,000 subscribers. I think we've just gotten past uh, the, uh, the 20 mark. We're into the teens. So if you're here right now and you uh, maybe you're new or here for the Bomber content, do us a favor. Hit that red subscribe button. We're here every day at 1 o'clock, Monday to Friday. Uh, we're focusing first and foremost on all the important stories for Winnipeg and Manitoba sports fans, starting with the Jets and the Bombers, hitting our other local teams like we did after that big ice game last night. And then we'll also get to the other big stories in sports as well. Uh, but yeah, if you can, please give us a sub. Uh, it, obviously, it's free and it certainly helps us grow the channel. And uh, hit that thumbs up button as well if you're enjoying the program. Uh, a great way for us to help to uh, let other people know about what we're doing at Winnipeg Sports Talk. So uh, greatly appreciate all the new subscribers this week. Welcome to everyone that's new with us here. And hopefully you'll join us uh, certainly for a big final show heading into the Grey Cup tomorrow. And uh, hopefully a real fun next week talking about the game and uh, maybe even some celebrations if things go well for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, we're going to get to Hamilton in a minute. By the way, don't forget, if you've tuned in a little bit late, Moose are playing Friday and Saturday, a big holiday weekend over at the Moose. We've got four prime tickets for both Friday's game and Saturday's game. Would love to give them to a family that maybe hasn't brought some young kids out to see the, uh, the team beforehand. Uh, hit us up. At on email, if you want to uh, let us know at Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Uh, and if there's one day or the other that works better for you, let us know. We'll try and make sure we're drawn between people that can make those particular games. Uh, or you can also send us a DM on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG. Uh, we'll pick those winners after the show and send out the tickets Friday night and Saturday for the Moose and the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, are you ready for Grey Cup Sunday yet, folks? Well, if you are not already, it might be time to head down to Little Brown Jug or simply go online to littlebrownjug.ca and get your order in. Of course, the great taste of the iconic 1919, not the only great beer available from Little Brown Jug. They celebrated our five-year anniversary last week. Check out that video we did with owner Kevin Selch if you haven't seen it on our YouTube channel. Uh, they've also got the new five-year anniversary Brute IPA a champagne-like extra-dry IPA with flavors of citrus and stone fruit. They've got beautiful new five-year anniversary tulip glasses available and some amazing gifts for the holidays, including the delicious beer, not to mention some brand-new toques, other merchandise, and they've got curated gift boxes available um, that they'll deliver for free anywhere in town. Find out more. Follow them on Twitter, at LBJ Brewing. More details there. And, of course, the website at littlebrownjug.ca or pop down and see them in person at William Avenue. Our friends at Princess Auto, great teammates of ours on Winnipeg Sports Talk and uh, always putting out the teammates of the game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as great sponsors of the Blue. And shout out to you, the fans. Uh, it wasn't any players on the team. It was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers supporters, 31,000 plus that braved the elements on Sunday as the teammates of the game. And Princess Auto could not have made a better decision with that. Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique, unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. If you have that person in the family, might be a great spot to uh, get that holiday shopping done. You can pop into one of two locations in Winnipeg, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. 
And uh, of course, Boston Pizza is going to be a great spot to get together for the Grey Cup on the weekend. Or, for instance, tonight, we got a big Thursday nighter with the Steelers and the Vikings. We'll get to the cool bet lines later on and let you know how that's looking, as well as the latest number on the Grey Cup line. And then uh, after nine, we got the Winnipeg Jets and the Seattle Kraken playing their first game. Boston Pizza, best sports lounges around, delicious pizza, Boston's wings, ice-cold schooners, and more with the big game on the big screen with big sound. And, uh, of course, what a great spot that will be to get together with friends on Sunday afternoon for the Bombers. And, of course, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, still to come on the program, we'll talk about the disaster that is the Coyotes franchise. How Jacob Truba is taking out players night after night right now. What a wild scene that was last night against the Avalanche coming off his hospitalization of Jujar Kara. We'll get to that a little later on, um, as well as a little bit more on the changes in Vancouver. But continuing our Grey Cup conversations, got a chance a little earlier to catch up with Clint O'Neill. Bubba! if you will. He's the sports anchor for CHCH in Hamilton and also the host of CFL This Week on the Ticats Network. Now, I had a chance to go on Bubba's show a number of times this year. Always a great chat. And we figured with Hamilton hosting the Grey Cup and the Ticats hosting the Bombers in the big game, this would be a perfect time to welcome him in to Winnipeg Sports Talk. So uh, here's a bit of our conversation with Bubba O'Neill in Hamilton. More on the Grey Cup and the Bombers and Ticats on Sunday. Bubba, what is up? It's great to talk to you again, my friend. Hustler, this is awesome. I mean, it couldn't have worked out any better than this. I mean, I have a salty taste in my mouth from last year's Grey Cup. As you said, we kind of was hope, were hoping that this would happen. And the it, it, it happened in different ways than I think we actually expected. But at the end of the line, it will be the Hamilton Tiger Cats hosting, hosting, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the defending champs. I mean, it, it really, as the old saying goes, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, Sunday, I think, was a pretty awesome day for the Canadian Football League, notwithstanding what some Argo players did after the game with some fans at people well, field. Yeah. That was a little bit yeah. insane. Well, John Murphy, too, but... That's a, that's a that's a very minor detail when it comes to um, the great game in the East Sem in, in the East Final, and the scene here in Winnipeg was one that I mean we won't be forgetting anytime soon. You're beating your arch rival, much like the Tie Cats did, to yeah. get to the big game and 60 minutes away from a championship. But I'll tell you what, you, you mentioned the last Great Cup. I mean, this is actually two years removed, if you can believe that, from the Bombers' win in Calgary, a lost season. And then, I mean, up until Sunday, maybe the most memorable sporting event, I think, for people around here and CFL fans was that bomber Cat game to begin the season at yeah. IG Field, the first biggest event in Canada really coming out of the pandemic. Um, but it's well, been an up-and-down season for the Cats, hasn't it been? But, um, man, I got to think the feeling around the team and around the city is about as high as it's been really since two years ago going into the game as favorites against the Bombers in Calgary. Well, there's no doubt when you set the standard of a 15 and three season best in franchise history, you're pretty much rolling through your opponents and and then you come up to what happened this year. But I think Coach Orlando Steinauer would tell you straight up, this is a very, very different team. Are there some key pieces, the likes of Masoli, Dane Evans, Simone Lawrence, uh, and Brandon Banks? Absolutely. But along the line, there were some retirements uh, at key positions on the offensive line. There's been some switches. New receivers have had to come in. Braylon Addison, the injury to him, he's only played, I think, two and a half games, quite honestly. 
So in many ways, this is a different team, different kicker. Um, so the expectations didn't really match what this team produced, but they found a way. And I think they might have gelled at the correct time. And we all know this. And I know in a regular 16-game, 18-game regular season in the CFL, we always talk about Labor Day being that day where the season really starts. I think the team, under different circumstances with COVID and all the stuff that went on, that rule did not apply. But I do believe later in the year, this team has begun to understand each other uh, and know each other's role. So uh, I think, is yeah, is this a different Tiger Cat team? Absolutely. But the goal still remains. Now, um, tell me about the vibe around Hamilton right now. Um, everything, this has been such a strange, strange time for, for all of us. Uh, the anticipation for Hamilton to finally get a great cup at Tim Hortons Field goes back wow. a number of years. Um, the fact that it's happening and the fact that the Tiger Cats, after the up and down season that we talked about, are there. Um, how fired up is the city right now? How fired up are Tiger Cat fans and what should Bomber fans heading to Southern Ontario expect on Sunday? Well, it's now, now that we've had the coaches' press conference and the introductory press conference when the Bombers arrived at Hamilton International, we've already heard head coach Mike O'Shea talk about D batteries being thrown at him. So <laughs> I don't think it'll be that bad, but they, Mike O'Shea is a well-respected and also you know, beloved and yet hated guy around these parts for what his outstanding play as a Tiger Cat, but he did make that cardinal sin of becoming an Argonaut and winning as an Argonaut as well, too, and being rather braggadocious about it, I might say, you know, <laughs> because it's true. The Tiger Cats have not won since 1999, but you're right. The city is electric. I, you know, I kind of think this is kind of like a Grey Cup on steroids. It's not the exact plans that the Tiger Cats in the city of Hamilton had planned I mean, they had an unbelievable plan. And I think you're going to see it in 2023. It looks like the Great Cup will be granted back to Hamilton for 2023. So the, the plans and the, and the changing to the stadium and the expansion of the stadium, uh, you're just not going to be able to do it this year because of the situation that we're all in with the pandemic. But I think ultimately for the football fan, we've got a real good matchup. Uh, you couldn't ask for anything better, as I said, for a, a matchup of a, a, a matchup in the Grey Cup, a team hosting a Grey Cup. So I think that energy alone has has got the the community all excited. All the all the events will be well attended, as they will be with any Grey Cup. And the weather hasn't been all that bad. Maybe get some light snow out there, but it hasn't been that cold. Um, so I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, listen, we dealt with cold last week here in Winnipeg. It's oh, this is gonna oh be this is gonna seem tropical for the players that played in the West Final to come out to Hamilton <laughs> on Sunday afternoon, I'll tell you that. So let's talk about the Tie Cats going into this game. Um I mean, I guess we have to start off with the quarterback position. Um, you know, Masoli sort of had become the guy and very quickly into the East Final when things weren't going well, Orlando Steinhauer realizing the urgency of the situation. Gave him the hook, put in Dane Evans, and Evans balled out. I mean, what a performance by Evans. And what does that do to the Ticats going into the Grey Cup with the guy that was the backup just a week ago, now the starting quarterback in the biggest game of the year? 
it's been talked about all season long, of course, going into the season that there was a quarterback controversy. I know the guys at TSN were more than willing to hang their hat on, you know, stirring who up. should be the guy yeah, stirring <laughs> up the pot. But I'll be honest, I always thought Jeremiah Masoli was going to be the guy. Uh, the, he's the guy that, you know what, remember he blew his knee out against the Bombers at Tim Hortons Field week six, I believe it was, in 2019. And then Dane Evans came in there and delivered a performance that no one expected. Uh, you know, and really only had the one big fart really in the Grey Cup against the, what was a superior Bombers team. I, I can certainly admit to that. So going into this year, I always thought Masoli was going to be the guy. I almost thought it was his job anyway. So he did earn the job out of training camp. And then those first two games, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, whoa, what an eye-opener for him and for the rest of the team. The offense didn't move the ball other than the – other than the opening drive of the seer of the of the season against Winnipeg, when Masoli went deep to Ackland, I think it was like a seventy-five yard touchdown pass. Nothing, squatter, nothing. It was horrible. And since then, it's been up and down, up and down. And then Evans and Masoli were hurt at the same time. David Watford led the team to two victories. So this position has been very unstable. But again, as I talk about at the back end, with a little bit of consistency. It did look like Masoli was the guy, but I will say this. It wasn't a spectacular offense. It was a very patient, very grind-em-out offense. Don Jackson running the football. And even though Masoli didn't turn the ball over, he didn't look to be that same spectacular guy. So I'll tell you what happened in the East Final was a shock to me because I expected if there was going to be a quarterback change, it would happen at halftime. And Coach O pulled the plug in the first series in the second quarter after that fumble by Masoli. That surprised a lot of Hamiltonians. Uh, hey, you can't help it. The city's divided. There's Masoli people. There's Evans people. And Evans came in there and, as you said, balled out. 16 for 16, 250, a touchdown pass, runs for two. So how could he not have been named the starter today by Coach O? Well, as we get to Sunday... As short as the leash was for Masoli in the East Final, will it be the same situation in the Grey Cup? I mean, if Evans doesn't have a strong first quarter and they get into the second and they're down, will he be quick to go right back to Jeremiah Masoli? Well, that's a, that's the million-dollar question there, Hustler, because we don't know. It's like Coach O's now quartered himself into us asking this question now because he had been so patient with Masoli and with people. I mean, there, there are people at Iverwind Stadium, and of course, after, you know, maybe two, three beer, if Masoli wasn't performing or it was a couple, two and outs, they were calling for David Watford. Okay, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was really ridiculous. But at the end of the day, though, he had resisted change. And to again, I'm going to be honest here. I thought he was going to name Masoli the, the starter for the Great Cup. I really did. With the fact, with the mindset of knowing I got a guy in the bullpen that can come out of the bullpen and perform and doesn't mind being that guy because he's been the two, he's been 1A or 1B, he's been, sorry, 1B pretty much all season long in games that he's been healthy. So he goes with Dane today. And that's the million-dollar question, as I said earlier, because how much do you give Dane Evans? And I know this is going to be a different situation than the Argonauts. Argonauts got a pretty good defense, but the Bombers got a better defense, the best defense. And they got those guys coming off the end, that Jeff Coat, who, I mean, he's a problem. He's a serious, serious problem. And with that young offensive line that the Tiger Cats are going to face, 
it could end up being a carbon copy of what we saw in November of 2019. Well, okay, and I wanted to bring that up. And listen, I don't like to dwell too much in a game that was two years ago, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are pretty are very similar to the same team. I mean, many would say that this is actually a better team than, than they were. Zach Kolaris is more comfortable with the offense. They don't have the running attack of Chris Strebler, which was unique. But I mean, the defensive side of the football, the key players are back. Um, you know, you've got Dietrich Nichols and uh, and Alford, uh, the uh, that have had such amazing season to corner. I mean, they are really complete. But when we go back to that game, the Ticats were favored. The Bombers thoroughly thumped the Ticats on both <laughs> sides of the offensive line. And listen, I'm as guilty as anyone. You know, we focus in on the quarterback and the star players, oh, the receivers, and a bunch of stuff. <clears throat> When it comes down to especially playoff football, championship football, in the cold, it's the line of scrimmage that determines the football game. How can the Ticats handle the Bombers, both offensively with what they did? I mean, just ask the Riders with the way that they were able to run the football and exhibit their will. And you mentioned Jackson Jeffcoat, Willie Jefferson, Stove Richardson in the middle. I mean, that is the foundation of the Blue Bombers. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on how Hamilton can answer that challenge in a better way than they did two years ago in the Grey Cup? Well, that's something that they have to be really seriously planning because, as you said, that defensive line of the Bombers didn't really drop off this season. Uh, I don't think maybe they put up the numbers that they did, but they were just as dominant in many other ways. And you're looking at an offensive line that does not have a veteran, Mike Filer at center, as they did in that game in the 2019 Grey Cup. Darius Siraco is, is a first-year guy at, at that center position, moved over from guard. Um, you know, you do have Brandon Revenberg, who's the senior guy, along with uh, Chris Van Zyl. So there's nothing they haven't seen before, but they really do have to operate as a unit. Now, this is going to come down to offensive play calling because you're right. That defensive line cannot be controlled. So Tommy Condell has to come up with the offensive game plan of his life to limit. I don't know if it's little curls and screens, screen passes, um, draw plays. Don Jackson could be a very important key because he is one of the best blocking back. I mean, he can get, he runs the ball really well. He's the best running back I've seen in Hamilton since, I don't know, DeAndre Cobb, maybe. I don't know. And that goes way back. Like, so as a blocking, uh, as a blocker, he's going to have to probably be involved as well. Watch out for a guy by the name of Nikolai Kalinich. Now, everyone in this T in, in the in the CFL, including the Bombers, are now using these H backs and tight ends kind of sets. So it, it is going to have to be max protection, uh, and because the if you can get the ball out in time, Hamilton's receivers not only get downfield, but I think they have the best receivers that run after the catch. So it doesn't have to be intermediate to long passes like what we saw in 2019. You might see a lot of shorter stuff balanced in with the run. Again, you 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 can't stop the Blue Bombers defensive line, but you can't control them. Bubba O'Neill is our guest. He's the uh, sports anchor for CHCH in the Hammer as we count down to the Grey Cup on Sunday between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Bob, I mean, all year long, and we spoke on your program on the CFL this week, uh, you know, big picture about what was happening in the Canadian Football League. And, you know, the fact that Hamilton was hosting the Grey Cup was always part of the narrative around this club, the expectations for this team after the disappointment of 2019. 
Um, I think going into this game, I mean, the Bombers are the favorite this time, which is very different than it was two years ago. Hamilton was the favorite in that great cup. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bombers should be the great cup, uh, the favorite based on what we've seen so far this year. But we all know, I mean, no one gets the trophy because they're the favorite. You got to go out and execute. But I'm interested in the level of pressure around the city on the Ticats, considering what happened in 2019. The fact that this was always in the background of everything they did this season and now they've got to the point where they have the opportunity to play at home in front of a crowd that I expect will be a vast majority of fans in black cheering on the Ticats. Um, and God knows we know about Grey Cup droughts around here in Winnipeg. We talked about <laughs> yeah. 29 damn years until 2019. How would how would you describe the pressure from fans, the community, as well as internally knowing the opportunity that's at hand for the Ticats playing at home? Well, you'd have to go back to 1972, Ange Mosca, Chuck Ely, those teams that uh, beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on a late kick by Ian Sunter. Um, and that's 72. That's 50 years ago since the Tiger Cats hosted and won a Grey Cup game. That's, that's an eternity. And it's an eternity since they won the Grey Cup in 1999 as well, too. Rob Hitchcock, Danny McManus, Mike Morielli. You know, you're right. You guys understand what drought feels like. And oh, yeah. <laughs> the Tiger, and the Ticat fans are roaring. They are ready. Um, they felt the pain of 2019 because that was a painful. I don't tell you this, Hustler. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, I have been in the business now, you know, 25, 30 years or whatever. The hardest assignment I have ever had was interviewing the Tiger Cat players after that 2019 Grey Cup in Calgary. That was really difficult. That, that team expected to win. And they were vastly disappointed in the result. And the way it happened, too, was humbling. You're right. There has been pressure all season long on this team. It has hovered over them like a cloud. And I got in a little trouble, too, by saying... You know, because some people, you ask the players, you ask the coaching staff, and they, they said all season long, they're not thinking about it. And, and, and I pretty much said baloney. How could you not be thinking about it? There's an unbelievable opportunity here for the CFL, for the franchise, to break a streak, to satisfy your fan base who have been so loyal, satisfy your owner who revitalized the, the entire franchise. This is the pinnacle. It can't. It, it, it has to be there. Now, I think that pressure is gone now because they've gotten there. I think the pressure now shifts to Winnipeg in a sense because they're the defending champions. They're expected now, like Hamilton was in 2019, they're expected to be, in some words I've heard from some CFL insiders, the easy winners in this game. You're going to be facing a hostile crowd. I don't know if you've noticed what the Ticats have been doing in the playoffs since 2019. They do this blackout thing where everyone wears black to you know, represent the Tiger Cats. And I think, as you said, it's going to be uh, 75% Ticat fans. So it's how are the Bombers going to respond to a hostile environment uh, in this situation? But I do believe the pressure is gone because the pressure to get there was the big deal for the Tiger Cats. Now they're there. Everything else is candy. Baba, it, it, I mean, I, I can't wait for the game. As I said, I think this was exactly, this was the best case scenario for the Canadian Football League through maybe the most challenging season in CFL history. Um, you've got two very worthy teams going into it. You'll have a great atmosphere at in Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field. 
And yeah, there'll be a lot of black, but I can tell you there'll be a lot of blue there and it will be loud, <laughs> my friend. And uh, um, it, you know what? I mean, that the, the win in 2019 was something so special for this city. And we talked about it and it would be the same thing, I'm sure, if the Ticats, maybe even more so doing it at home if they're able to win. But this was exactly what I think CFL fans, if you had no skin in the game and just wanted the best atmosphere and the best game, I really do think we have it. Um Listen, I know you're focusing on things from the Ticats side of things. We're certainly all over the Bombers and what they're doing right now. But I really have a hard time imagining, after everything that the CFL's been through, a better way to finish off this very unique season than what we're going to see on Sunday afternoon. And, and I think what, um, if you add in the Rough Riders to this too, and hey, you know what, I've had people tell me already that the, the Great Cup's already been played and won by the Boomer, at the Bombers because <laughs> that, the Rough Rider game was, act, the West Final was actually the Great Cup. So, I mean, those are the ones that believe the Tiger Cats are in, are in a whole lot of trouble on Sunday. We'll find out. Maybe they're right. But it's, I'll include Saskatchewan here. These are three markets that respect the CFL, that love the CFL, that still show up. The ones that don't want the XFL and the four down game to ever infiltrate the CFL or to be some minor league system. And that's why I celebrate this. And you're right. It's been a long, missing 2020 was horrible. I don't know what you thought. I, the worst. Maybe it, the may, worst. Maybe it, maybe it didn't need to happen. Maybe it needed to happen. These are all inner workings with the, with the commissioner that um, we'll never re, really be privy to. You know, asking for the $150 million might have been a bit of a joke, too. But boy, that's another, <laughs> that's another yeah. story. Started off on the wrong <laughs> foot on that one. You know, absolutely, right? But this is what you want. And you know what's another element of this that I think is really neat, Hustler, is the fact that these two teams played in week one and have not seen each other since. The Argos had to, the Tiger Cats had to play the Argos four times in this schedule in the regular season. So that took one home game against the Bombers away. So Winnipeg's making their first trip to Hamilton all season long, right? And we're hosting Winnipeg, the defending champs, for the first time all season long. So this adds to the mystery and the intrigue of, of, of both of these teams, which I think is going to be so much fun. Um, you know, you got the hometown Arkells playing. You know, you got the rock bands, you got the games, you got the fans, people parking on people's front lawns. And if you've been to Timport, there's still no parking lot. Like it's, it's a beauty. And it's so Canadian. You know, hopefully we get a little snow. I mean, what I saw in, in Winnipeg and even in Toronto with that snow falling, oh, it just makes me, and I know we're all hockey fans and a million other fans and basketball and baseball, but boy, do I love the CFL at this time of the year. It's great. Amen to that. We got two the two best teams, two of the best fan bases going at it with so much on the line. Um, let's get it on. Bubba, thanks so much for doing this. Have a great weekend. I know it's going to be very special for Hamilton. I hope everyone enjoys it right up until the uh, game starts. Well, well hold on. You, you, you're going to give me your pick? Oh, my pick's the Bombers. I mean, I think that's <laughs> picking the Bombers. And I just assumed you'd be taking the Ticats too. I mean, what are we talking about here? 
Give me, give me, a, give me, give me, a, give me. No, you don't have to give me a point spread, but give me a what? What? Give me a score. Well, I think there's going to be some points scored. Uh, I do like the over 43 and a half uh, right off the bat. I thought that both of these teams are too good to keep it down. I think they'll be ready. I think they'll be big plays made. I certainly don't think the Bombers are going to turn the football over like they did in the cold against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, I will, I will say Bombers 29, Hamilton 18. Okay, fair enough. And, and you know what? I hope we do get some scoring. It's been tough scoring. The scoring has been real low this year in the Canadian game. I hope this Grey Cup does end up being a high-scoring affair. Uh, Tiger Cats, 30. Bombers, 29. Hey, if they put up 30 on the Bombers, they deserve to win the Grey Cup because no one's done that to this defense all year. But that's why they play the games. Bubba, have a great weekend. Shout-out to the Ticat fans and what should be an amazing weekend for the CFL down in Steeltown. Shout out to Manitoba. Great to speak to you, bud. Oh, man. Good stuff with my guy Bubba out in Hamilton. You can follow Bubba on Twitter at Bubba CHCH. Gray Cup countdown continues. Ring season here in Winnipeg. Bombers and Tie Cats, 5 p.m. Sunday afternoon as the Bombers look to run it back and keep the Gray Cup right here in Winnipeg. Um, all right, we've got a few more things to get to. We do have to talk Jacob Trubin, and, of course, this mess with the Coyotes. Uh, before we do that, I want to thank our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We do have a special giveaway tomorrow, a Grey Cup DQ cake with my uh, pal, a loyal listener, picked up a few of those and wanted to give it out. So that will be part of the marble race tomorrow, as will a couple of great prizes from Canadian Club. But getting ready for Grey Cup Sunday you're in St. Vital. You can order the great taste of Nick and Nicky DQ from Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats because the St. Anne's location is now open year-round. Of course, you can also head out to the DQ in Niverville. Very busy spot out in that community. The DQ Northgate and, of course, DQ Polo Park for that amazing steakhouse, burger, chicken fingers, fries, and, of course, the incredible ice cream treats, including the blizzard. Not sure if Nick's doing a blue blizzard. Might be a good idea, though, for the weekend for the Grey Cup. And, of course... Hit him up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Uh, much like Chris did, you can get a, a Grey Cup DQ cake ready for you, but you will have a chance to win one tomorrow in the Marble Race here on Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, at DQ Manitoba on Instagram for all your ordering needs and to contact any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Thanks so much for their support. And as I mentioned, Canadian Club, there was a ton of Canadian Club consumed by the 31,000-plus Bomber fans that were at the game on Sunday afternoon. And uh, some great promos on Canadian Club right now for the holidays in your local Manitoba Liquor Mart stores. Um, you'll be able to potentially win 5,000 air miles as well as get bonus air miles on all your Canadian Club purchases. Look for the indoor display at Manitoba Liquor Marts throughout the holidays, available right now. And uh, for those of you that like uh, what's up on the top shelf, that limited edition Canadian Club Chronicles 44-year-old whiskey, limited availability still in the province, less than 40 bottles left. Um, so check your local location or talk to them about where you can pick one up if you do want to get a bottle of the CC44 for a uh, that special person coming up for the holiday season. We'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Big Thursday nighter, Vikes Steelers tonight. Of course, we've got some hockey, including the Jets and Seattle Kraken. But let's get Remus back in here uh, because there's a couple stories that we need to get to right off the bat. Uh, I wanted to wait till the end of the program not to distract from the important things like the hockey game tonight and, of course, the Bombers in the Grey Cup to talk about the mess that is 
the Arizona Coyotes. But Remo, just in the last, what, uh, 24 hours, not even since we've been off the air, Katie Strang reporting that the Coyotes were due to be locked out of their arena by the city of Glendale for unpaid arena charges and delinquent tax bills. And if you follow this story, and Ari Moreno, the owner, um, I believe it was Katie that did a pretty uh, in-depth article earlier this year on just how they've been conducting business. And this is not a surprise to anyone. Um, They essentially squeezed people out, weren't paying bills, tried to get those numbers locked down, and uh, good for the city of Glendale to tell them, pay your damn bills or you're getting evicted. An absolute embarrassment for the National Hockey League, but only one in a long list of embarrassments ever since the Jets moved to the to the desert in 1996. Um, but apparently, it was an unfortunate human error, Reem, and uh, everything's good again. The bills were paid this morning. Nothing to see here. Everyone can move on. Give me a break. Yeah, just want to clarify, you uh, mixed up with the Angels owner, Artie Moreno. It's Alex Morello. Oh, uh, Alex Morello. Sorry, Al- not Al- Artie Moreno. Yeah, he yeah. certainly got the money. Just ask Albert Pujols. Sorry yeah, about that. He's He's got money. You don't want to, don't want to slander anyone here. But, um, yeah, I read that article that they had about what, how they weren't paying their vendors. I think players weren't getting per diems. Um, I think it was just run so uh, poorly. Bush League. Bush League and is the best way that I can put it. Something you'd expect for yeah. like a low level of minor league hockey by some fly-by-night owner that was yeah. going to uh, leave and screw everyone that um, that they had bills to pay. Yeah, for them to not. I mean, it's such a yeah, it's such a horrible look. Pretty. I think it's embarrassing for the NHL to have an owner who what doesn't pay his taxes and then pays them right away when it becomes leaked in a national news story. That's unfortunate gr- human gross. error yeah apparently and then to say it's a human error like give me a break so it's such a joke do you know if to get yeah. to the point i mean you talk to anyone that's been in collections like to get to the point where you're being threatened with eviction you've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to pay it's never the way they want to go and go to the nuclear option of kicking the people out and essentially losing the money um you know gary bettman has put a lot of of his you know, his entire time in, as the commissioner of the NHL, he's done some great things. Certainly we here in Winnipeg, happy that, you know, the NHL came back here. But it has just been a, a mystery to many people as to how this Coyote saga has dragged on in the fashion that it has for so long. And I think they were desperate to get an owner by all accounts that um, Al Alex Morello, who, uh, um, you yeah. know, has lots of money as casinos and whatnot, but man, with the in-depth investigation that Katie Strang did as to the way that they were conducting business was a complete embarrassment. And anyone that read that article was not surprised in the least when they heard the result of, uh, um, you know, what had happened yesterday. And all of this, of course, happening in the background with the fact that they're done at the end of this season anyways and still are looking for where the heck they're going to play next year if they're going to stay in the desert or potentially another embarrassing situation where the NHL is going to have to move a uh, move a franchise. I can tell you, Houston, Kansas City, even Quebec, although not a huge, uh, you know, we'll see what the Quebec situation is with the dollar and uh, ownership and all that. But there's many better places right now, and certainly better ownership groups, I think, than what they've gotten in in, uh, in Arizona. Um, and this story was just another embarrassment for the National Hockey League amongst many that has dealt with that franchise. Yeah, and this has gone on for over 10 years. I remember watching the Glendale 
city council meetings where, I mean, they gave so much money to this team and took away from essential services. Um, it's just so mind-boggling how this has Remember gone Little on. Logan? Uh, how could I forget little? I mean, we were. I mean, we were all watching in Winnipeg because the Coyotes were close to moving back here, and uh, you know, then apparently the Thrashers came for sale. You know, Thrashers. Oh, they're having problems, and like like that, the Thrashers were off and are here, and we're dealing with the NHL like trying to keep uh, the Coyotes alive here for ten years. Just it's it's over. I mean, they don't have a home after this year. You know, what was the issue? First, they didn't have a dedicated hockey arena. Then they've got a dedicated hockey arena, but oh, it's in the wrong location. And now that location, the Glendale Arena, they don't even want the Coyotes anymore. They think they can draw more with having concerts and conventions. Um, so they're looking what? They're looking at Tempe. They really have no plan. They're not going to be there next year. Apparently, put, put apparently their yeah. option, their option might be to play at Chase Field. Come on. Where the Diamond yeah, dead serious, where the Diamondbacks play. I actually, I mean, basically throw back to the Tampa Bay Lightning beginning their existence playing in the trop. Yeah, I'm actually kind of interested, but I don't I don't think that's a long-term thing. So move them to Houston, move them to Kansas City. Uh, sorry, Quebec, you're going to get looked over again. you got a beautiful new arena built in 2015. You got passed over twice for an expansion. You don't want to – you got the divisions nice us. You can't rearrange the divisions for Quebec City. Kansas City and Houston are your only two options. I know they got time new, zones. Time yeah, zones. Perfect time. Yeah. If only Quebec was, you know, there's too many teams in the East time zone. They need to even out the time zone. So uh, I think Casey or Houston, just move them. Great rivalry with the Blues or Stars, depending. Uh, Houston's got a history of of uh, supporting hockey in the and AHL. A massive, yeah. massive market as well. Yeah. Big, um, you know, mm-hmm. certainly a much bigger market than than the KC. Um, KC is a beautiful arena, the Sprint Center, yeah. which has been ready for the last few years to host, you know, some sort of professional. They have the Big Ten tournament every year. They often have March Madness. I think, I think they had gymnastic, gymnastics national championships uh, or Olympic trials. I was going to go. Um, oh wait, that might have been. I think they've had st- a ton of stuff there in say in Casey. Sorry to interrupt. Absolutely, big wrestling events. Anyways, it's a beautiful, big league ready arena. Um, and again, you know, you wonder about ownership and all that. But I mean, both of those options, I mean, would be pretty much turnkey and probably get a hell of a lot more support than the Coyotes have had out in the desert. So we had to talk about that today. Unfortunate human error, uh, an embarrassment for the National Hockey League. Apparently, the bills have been paid, but guaranteed. This is not the last we've heard about the issues of the Coyotes mm. in the desert. Um, yeah. And that's not even to talk about how bad they are on the ice as uh, one of the NHL's worst teams, as we saw here, despite the fact that they beat the Jets uh, while being outshot yeah. 46-15 <laughs> last Monday yeah. here in Winnipeg. We we could dump on the Coyotes all I want, but they did beat the Jets. Not only did they beat them, Huss, they shut them out. So maybe we, uh, maybe we shouldn't be talking. One thing I hope comes of this... We'll wait and see. I really hope once they move, um, the Jets' 1.0 records are returned to City of Winnipeg. And there's nothing that sickens me more when I'm watching a Jets or a Coyotes broadcast and they reference the records. Um, you know, they the reference the something happened to Jets 1.0 on the Coyotes broadcast, or the Jets bring up, oh, Kovalchuk has the rookie scoring record. Like, enough. We don't need to do this anymore. Let's move. <laughs> There's no more active. I mean, just Wheeler is the only one left, right, um, from the Thrashers. So let's, you know, let's move it on here. Others, other leagues have done this. The NBA and the NFL, come on. Yeah. 
Browns got their records back. Give the Jets their records yep. back. And, you know, we can put, you know, if the Coyotes end up being another team and they want to call them an expansion team, go nuts. We'll take the, what, the desert records and we can stick them with the Atlanta Thrashers as well as any other defunct teams. And they can just be in a special right. little category of defunct mm -hmm. teams. We won't be gone, but not forgotten. Trust us on this one. Yes. Speaking of gone, but not forgotten. Can we talk about Jacob Truba here for a minute? Yes. This guy has been a one man wrecking crew this week in the National Hockey League. I mean, two nights ago, he hit Jujarkara with a hit that was so devastating and so violent. Um, it knocked Kara out probably before he even hit the ground. He was stretchered off. He spent the night in hospital. It was a serious incident and very scary. Um, but obviously, NHL player safety deeming that it was a clean hit despite how violent it was and the fact that there was an injury on the play. Um, they were back at it last night, and I'll tell you what, Truba did not lay up at all, absolutely flattening Nathan McKinnon, of all people. And um, not two seconds afterwards, he was being challenged by Gabe Landeskog, had to throw down and fight, actually hit him with a solid, solid right, knocked his helmet off of but uh, we've always known Truba can hit. But I'll tell you what, Remo, I don't think we've seen uh, this much of a mean streak in a mean streak in Truba before. Um, and he said he afterwards he didn't have a problem with the hit, and he didn't have a problem with having to fight afterwards. But um, it's been impossible not to notice what the former Jets been doing this week at the uh, expense of some players in the National Hockey League on the receiving end of some very very devastating checks. Yeah, I was. I said yesterday I wasn't thrilled about the. I mean, I I think you can argue it was definitely a clean hit, but I mean, there might have been some head contact on Kyra. You know, you put him in the hospital, had to leave on a stretcher. I think you know they look at the result, but I thought they hit on McK McKinnon. I mean, that's a textbook hit. I mean, maybe I mean it's pretty pretty forceful hit, but he's got his head down in the offensive zone trying to dangle, and Truba came in and popped him. Um, you know, Landis Cog goes in and goes to fight him. I think you kind of, I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of us of, you know, fighting after clean hits, but I mean, this is a guy who sent a guy to the hospital the night before. He's going after, you know, targeting the captain with a big hit. I don't mind, not the captain, the, the best player, Lannis Cog is the captain. And he comes in and defends him. I'm okay with all that. I thought it was, I mean, it was just a, a big hit. You got to watch out when this guy's on the ice. And, you know, Trubo would try to line people up when he was with the Jets and he would always miss. And maybe he's older, he's been in the league, or I see people in chat saying, you know, he's heard everyone talking about Neil Pionk, he's getting jealous, and uh, he's got he's to get people talking about him. Well, I mean, it didn't help them on the scoreboard last night. They took uh, they took it on the chin from the avalanche, but um, listen, that's a, that kind of guy you want on your team. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, and, and, you know, he had played with no fear. It didn't care that it was Nate McKinnon. And listen, it was all in McKinnon. I mean, he was sitting around like basically yep. in the slot in a scoring at least down looking at the puck, similar to what Carr did the, the night before. And you know what? If that's the mm -hmm. case, prepare to get smoked. Um, and that's exactly what happened last night. And I'm with you. I mean, I think it's a joke that every time a guy lays out a dude with a clean hit, we've got to answer, you know, by uh, by dropping the gloves and fighting. Um, but in this case, you know, credit to Truba for uh, for standing up for himself, for doing that. I'm sure his teammates loved it. I'm sure their fans loved it. Um, and honestly, sometimes, you know, a guy like Nate McKinnon, um, you know, right now there's so much speed and there's so much freewheeling and there's so much skill in the game. There still is physicality in hockey. And if you don't keep your head up and you spend a little too much time looking down at the puck, you're going to end up on your ass. And that's exactly what happened. You got knocked out of the game into the, uh, into the quiet room 
Um, but I haven't heard any, you know, extended injury or anything for that. Certainly, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. Certainly not like what happened with Jujar a couple nights ago. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Jacob Truba certainly making his presence felt right now, night in and night out when he's playing on the blue line for the New York Rangers. Well, yeah, two nights in a row. Um, Gordie Howe hat-tricks for Jacob Truba. So making an impact there with the Rangers. I mean, they said it's working out, working out for them. I think he's... I was being some Rangers, you know, he's kind of trying to stop being that offensive guy. And, you know, they got Adam Fox and he's finding, uh, you know, finding his spot there in the lineup playing more physical. And it seems to be, you know, intimidating, seems to be working out for them. Although they, well, did, everyone, they, they did lose, though, yesterday. Everyone talking about Jacob Truba for obvious reasons. But, I mean, if you did watch any of that game last night, I mean, what was really eye-catching is two of the best young defensemen in the National Hockey League. And Adam Fox on the Rangers blue line and Kale McCarr on the Avalanche blue line. And... I gotta tell you, I think when we're talking about Norris Trophy finalists for the next maybe decade, um, those individuals are going to find themselves in that final three more often than not, I would think. All right, couple things to get to before the end of the program. We will get to the cool bet lines. Uh, folks, we're less than 20 subs away from 6,000. I, I will mark this. If we get to 6K, by the time we do tomorrow's marble race, we will add in a couple of extra special prizes tomorrow. So if you haven't already, hit the red subscribe button and make sure you join us tomorrow for a show. We'll have much more on the Grey Cup, Bombers, Thai Cats, Jets from Seattle heading into Vancouver, and we'll finish it off with the Grey Cup Marble Race uh, with prizes from Canadian Club, prizes from Nick and Nicky DQ. And as I said, if we do get to 6,000, we're about 15 away, I think, right now, um, we'll even add in some more special items from the Tickle Trunk to commemorate that big day for us here on YouTube. All right. Um, by the way, if you missed earlier, we do have moose tickets. Want to give them to uh, preferably a family or a, maybe a couple. You can take a couple kids out to the game. Four prime seats for Friday, four prime seats for Saturday. Hit us up with a DM on Insta or Twitter at Sports Talk WPG or simply send us an email to WinnipegSportsTalk at gmail.com. Uh, we'll pick a couple winners. We'll uh, put out a tweet later on tonight announcing who won them, and we will send you the tickets. And now uh, hopefully you can see some great hockey with the Moose taking on the Grand Rapids Griffins, the big holiday weekend, Friday and Saturday down at Canada Life Center. All right, to the cool bet lines we go. NFL football tonight before we get to the pucks. We do have a great Thursday nighter. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Sounds like Dalvin Cook might play, and that is that sort of affected the line a little bit. I mean, for a good portion of the week, the line or the uh, Vikes were minus three. Um, now it's been pushed to minus three and a half, although at even money or plus one oh one. If you want to get the three on the Vikings, it's minus one twenty-three. Money line minus 172 for the Vikings and plus 158 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. As far as the Grey Cup goes, now might be the time to get into the Bombers if you've been waiting. My, uh, the spread's down to three. Minus 109 on three points for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It had been four, it had been three and a half. I'd been holding off on that. I just got in on the Bombers at minus three. I figure it's a pretty good time to do it. What's interesting is that despite the fact that the point spreads come down, the money line has actually gotten worse. Uh, it was minus 185 yesterday if you were betting the Bombers, and that was while the spread was three and a half or four. Money line's now minus 189. So I think the money's coming in on the Bombers to win the football game. As many people may be thinking it was going to be a little bit closer, and we've seen the point spread go down. So Bombers minus three right now. 
up minus 109. And if you go to CoolBet and click on others, <clears throat> there's a few other fun bets. First of all, they won't screw you. If you want to bet the coin toss, which is the most degenerate bet out there, um, it's even money. So it's a straight up. They're not taking any rake on the coin toss. One to one heads, one to one tails. So <clears throat> if you want to get in the coin toss, <laughs> you can do that. The one that I like, that I bet as well, fumble, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> fumble recovered by the opposing team. Yes is even money. And no is minus 125. Well, knowing what the Blue Bomber defense is capable of, Reem, and knowing what they did to Dane Evans in the 2019 Grey Cup and the way that they've been getting after guys all season long, I love the odds on a fumble being recovered by the opposing team. Hopefully that opposing team will be Winnipeg, uh, but certainly the Bombers put a few on the carpet as well. So uh, I was surprised that that number was hedged in the way of the yes. So uh, I'm in on that for the Grey Cup as well. And we will look forward to getting some player props heading into the weekend. Uh, but you can also bet on other things like the length of the national anthem. Will a safety be scored? A punter kickoff return for a touchdown and the team to commit the first accepted penalty and the first timeout. All fun things that you get in a championship game. But uh, as I said, what I'm interested in is the fact that I think the Bombers right now at minus three is the best value we've seen all week. Yeah, it started off four four and a half or was it was a four or four and a half that's crazy down to three i would for sure take that should have waited um i think yeah i think the bombers are gonna win it's gonna be close uh we'll see how you know the fourth quarter we know that they can lock it down um hamilton i think is better i i agree milt was saying yesterday he's into don jackson and bubba was saying how important he's been in the team and, and you know, he's good at pass blocking and good at running. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Bombers, bombers dominated the Ola or the lines in um, in the week one, but I think Hamilton is certainly a different team since then. But they're just—I don't think Hamilton is as good now as they were in 2019, and the Bombers are better. So I will go. I'm pick. I mean, we're here. We're going to pick Sports Talk. We're gonna we're gonna pick the Bombers, but uh, I think it's a legitimate pick. Well, and you know what? Listen, I mean, if you're going to bet the Bombers, you just want to get in at the right time. And I think right now at minus 109 at minus three, I'm not sure we're going to get much better than that. Heck, if it gets down to two and a half, even better. We may have to double down on it. Uh, but right now, Lycan Bombers minus three, available at CoolBet Canada. And check my Twitter account, at Hustlerama. Uh, I did a couple screen caps, or you can just go to the website. Uh, up until kickoff tonight, there's still a ton of NFL season props the Buccaneers right now are the Super Bowl favorites, but it's very, very tight. Um, Bucks at plus 575 to win the Super Bowl. And then it's the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs at 7-1. to one. And uh, New England certainly was much bigger earlier this year. They've come down. Um, but the Chiefs, that's a pretty nice number considering where they're at right now. I may have uh, topped that one up last night too. Arizona plus 750, still not getting much respect. Packers 8 to 1, Bills 11 to 1, Cowboys Rams 14 to 1, Ravens 16, Titans 22, Chargers 25, and Indianapolis Colts 35. And a couple of people react to my tweet going, There's some interesting value on Indy the way that they're playing and certainly running the football. So it's all there for you at coolbet.com. Uh, tomorrow, We'll have a new episode of The Lock Shop with myself and Dustin Nielsen. And Dusty's going to be joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well to talk specifically about the uh, Grey Cup. 
Uh, but of course, if you haven't checked out the Lock Shop, it's the sports betting podcast I do with Dustin Nielsen, who'll be calling the radio broadcast of the Grey Cup. Uh, so check that out. Search Lock Shop on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it, or just check out on our Twitter tomorrow because the video broadcast will be as uh, up there as well. So tomorrow on the show, we'll recap tonight's game against the Seattle Kraken. We'll talk Jets and Canucks. Lots going on in Vancouver with the Canucks, Jim. Uh, it sounds like... Um, it sounds like we've got uh, Jim Rutherford becoming the president of hockey operations. Uh, so um, it'll be a very, very busy show. And of course, much more on the big game on Sunday. Uh, Remo, before we go, uh, you were just mentioning uh, in the chat that uh, we've got a little bit of uh, some notes from head coach Paul Maurice. Yes, uh, same, as we said, same lines as last game. Uh, they asked him, you know, why would you bring up Hainala if you're not going to play him, which I think we're all kind of wondering here. And he's not ruling out uh his season debut tomorrow so that is something we'll keep an eye on but yes same same lines definitely it sounds like connor hellebuck is starting which would lead us to believe that eric comrie will be back in the net against the vancouver canucks who i believe was his last start um <laughs> here um for the winnipeg jets it's been a little while since he's gotten into the net uh but with the back-to-backs you'd imagine that would be the case and if hellebuck plays tonight then have tomorrow off, three more days off, so a nice extended rest before the Jets are back home to take on the Buffalo Sabres. So, uh, folks, hit that red subscribe button. Would love to get to 6,000 before we do the marble race tomorrow and add in a few special prizes for our week-ending extravaganza. Um, but, I mean, tomorrow's going to be a great show. Final show, full show before the Grey Cup. We'll have tons on the Bombers and Ticats from Hamilton. We'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets, and we will finish it off with that marble race. Um, hey, don't forget, Winnipeg Sports Talk store is up. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com. want to give a special thanks to Colin Jensen and my friend Michelle, who both uh, copped hoodies last night. Hopefully we'll get those out to you in time for Christmas. If you were hoping to do that, I definitely recommend you get to the site today. So hopefully those can get out to you next week and still get there in time to be under the tree for the holidays, although I'm not sure we can totally guarantee that, but uh, whenever it comes, beautiful stuff. Check out the store if you haven't seen it. Hit that thumbs up button on the way out for you YouTubers, for you podcast listeners. Thanks so much for being uh, with us today. Do us a favor, get on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and a, a nice little blurb if you can. That helps spread the channel as well. And uh, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's been an amazing week. Numbers have been huge. So much excitement about the Bombers. Of course, we'll look forward to this football game tonight and the Jets late night on the West Coast against the Seattle Kraken. And then fire it up for Grey Cup weekend tomorrow at 1 o'clock with Dustin Nielsen and much more tomorrow right here on YouTube and, of course, on your podcast feed just in time for the drive home. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks again to all of our sponsors, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing. Don't forget to stock up for Grey Cup Sunday. Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Coolbet Canada. Use the promo code WST if you haven't bet at Coolbet before for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. All right, that's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Enjoy the game tonight, folks. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.